everyone's like we got an artist let's protect art let's appreciate art but this is the one art form where everyone's actively trying to tear it down i can't even really think of another one like no one is trying to tell people to stop painting no one's trying to tell people what they can and can't sing or or play on the piano it's a shame and it's weird and i don't know why that is maybe because it lists so much emotion because they're words and it feels so real but like who still thinks that a comedian even means everything that they say Jake of Joke World, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Of course. I uh, So in your YouTube banner, you mentioned that your channel is like the sports center of comedy. And I actually do feel like it represents that sort of style because I like stand up comedy has become my new sport that I watch. Essentially, I played baseball for almost 20 years from like five years old to to 23 once I became washed up after college and I took a big step back away from watching almost all sports I'll still tune into baseball games every once in a while and I just became completely immersed in stand-up like I I don't know why I didn't during college it kind of happened for me around 2017 when I graduated and I just like started diving into the world of stand-up I'm just like following all these different comedians and like looking at the reddit forums like fighter and the kid like all the fucking drama online i'm like holy shit this this stuff is crazy um and i i I even remember thinking in my mind like this would be fun to track like if you could just go here for all the the drama and the new clips and stuff and then i came across your channel probably a year a year and a half ago when i started following you on on instagram and then checked out the youtube Mm -hmm. channel and I was like, this is it. This is like <laughs> the the perfect combination of showcasing comedy, like the the clips that you do with the the different podcast clips and the stand-up specials, but then also the drama too, like the whole Brendan Schaub, Tiger Belly debacle, mm-hmm. like just like the behind the scenes of comedians' reactions to like Crystalia shit or stuff like that. I'm like, this is like, this is awesome so I, I just i just wanted to to say that that it really does feel like i have the the inside scoop like your sage steel or something on sports center i'm just like tuning in to find out what's going on that week well i appreciate that i think my uncle called me scott van pelt once of, of comedy because it's just i'm by myself and i'm trying yeah. to get the story out there but yeah that's i guess kind of how i got here in the first place too because i i love sports growing up i played football and tennis in college division three so it's not impressive but i still did it i loved it so much and i would follow it all my friends talk about is sports debates uh hypotheticals would you rather it's just about sports all the time and so that was my passion my whole life but at the same time it was also comedy and stand-up um i just loved it. i loved the comedians i loved their podcasts i did stand up in college up until the pandemic. I really, really enjoyed that whole process, getting on stage and writing. And there was just nowhere besides Reddit. There's no like video form where if you're a fan of Tom Segura and Joe Rogan and Theo Vaughn, you can talk about all those people on one comment section, one channel, and it makes sense. You know, like all these fans, no one's just a fan of one comedian. But before yeah. you could, you, you just had to go to their channel and you have their community to interact with. But 
what I liked also is being a fan of, of YouTube and YouTubers. Uh, one of my favorite YouTubers was Cody Ko. I don't know if you know who that yeah, is, but yeah. I watched him on Vine. Yeah, and I loved his style of video and he could just set up a camera and then make a YouTube video about anything. And I would always, always love watching his videos. But I was also like, I wish there was a video like this about my favorite comedians as well. So I guess it's, it was just a combination of like all of my interests. And then how do you present it in the best way? Sports Center seems like they got it figured out covering the sports world. They show highlights. They talk about the current events. They do, you know, kind of like a news desk uh, portion. So that's kind of what I'm going for right now. You got the try not to laughs, which would be like a sports highlight, like their top 10 plays or whatever from an athlete. Um, it's funny because it is more like comparable than you think. It sounds like Sports Center for comedy, like, you know, they're, they're doing one special every year and a half. But with all these, these podcasts, with all the drama like you're talking about, it's almost necessary at this point. Oh yeah, I mean the same way that I watch a 360 dunk by LeBron James. I'm I'm watching, you know, like a, a fucking stand-up comedian at the cellar try to tell a trans joke and not, you know, <laughs> get, I'm like, dude, these are both yeah, yeah, high yeah. wire. These are both high wire acts. Like, yeah, yeah, he said tranny and Yeah, like that. Yeah, to me, I'm like, dude, that is that is harder to do than to learn how to you know flip backwards <laughs> twice and throw it through the hoop like that that That's deserves hilarious. to be a uh uh like a, a highlight on sports center yeah showed in slow-mo yeah start doing that <laughs> yeah what once i'm getting a, a little bit of an echo i'm just gonna do the echo cancellation real quick slight connection issue but we're back just like the, the real sports center we're back <laughs> With the top 10. But yeah, we, yeah. we were just saying like watching stand-up comedy and also coming from the world of sports. Like it's, it sounds silly, but it there is I, – I do feel a genuine connection between like the, the work ethic that comics talk about behind the scenes on podcasts mm -hmm. and doing spots and constantly like getting more and more repetitions, working at it. And it makes me think about all those hours in the gym spent in baseball or, or spent perfecting different types of pitches and kind of like being really shitty at the beginning of anything that you do mm -hmm. and then continuing to do it because you love it. When I hear comics talk about that, like it does seem like it's a very athletic mindset even even though you know like most comics don't look like joe rogan you wouldn't think they're going to the gym and <laughs> yeah. just like fucking like jacked out of their minds there there are a few but you don't you don't really think about comedy or at least the average person doesn't think about comedy in terms of an athletic pursuit but like i can really see the connection and you as well coming from tennis i'm, I'm sure there's a lot of similarities with the way that comics talk about doing sets and then also getting better at a sport yeah, I, uh, well, tennis for sure with sets, um, but also yes. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, it's very comparable, but it's also funny because like you said, many of them spend their whole day talking about eating pizza and doing cocaine and staying up, but, but then they're also not comparable to an athlete like that at all, but they're also so, um, you know, str strenuous and, and like uh, disciplined into their craft, meaning athletics you get to wake up at 6 a.m and, and train all day and, and spend your whole life in the gym and it's physically taxing and you can get hurt and you gotta you know condition and run and, and sweat and train like that but uh comedy i feel like it's more of a mental training you know you got to force yourself to to write jokes you got to go show up and get on stage and do the stuff that you're putting yourself out of your comfort zone even if if you've been a, a comic for 20 years and, and you're not 
nervous to go on stage. You're very comfortable on stage. Just the fact that you got to go do that every single night and, and keep trying to try new stuff on stage, not just do the stuff that you know that works. Um, that seems to be just as like demanding with your time, with your focus and with your, your mind as much as like an athlete's body is, is uh, demanded to, to his craft. So I just felt like it made sense to, to cover this like sports, because like I said, that's just what I wish there was, especially when I was still, you know, in college doing open mics and doing shows and, and, and trying to become a stand up comedian myself. It was like, I just wanted information. That's why I loved the Joe Rogan experience so much because when he'd have comedians on, I could get information because when you're just a random 19 year old in college who doesn't know a professional comedian, you're like, how do they write jokes? How do they get their yeah. first gigs? How do they, you know, do any of this stuff? How do they g- get confidence to go on stage? How do they deal with a heckler? All of this stuff, but especially the joke writing process in particular, you don't know when you have this dream of wanting to be a stand up. And Rogan's uh, podcast and some other ones were really insightful to me for the first time. And that's when I was like, I wish that there was just a way to get like a video, like comedians talking about writing jokes or comedians talking about specific things. Like, I just wish that there was a hub, a central place where you could explore all of information about comedy, just a wealth of comedy knowledge about highlights, about just picking up on how these guys got to where they are. And before I was talking to Fahim Anwar once in an interview before about this kind of thing, he was saying that people nowadays comedy so open and they're just kind of starting to realize comedians that people want to know behind the scenes kind of stuff because before it was kind of assumed to almost be boring like how do you write your jokes like you really want to know how i write my jokes like i'm miserable i'm writing in my room for an hour i can't and then i I, you know go try them on stage and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't and i can take that to another uh club and adjust it and all that and he was like before people just didn't think anyone wanted to know this stuff it seems kind of boring but they're are thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who are this into comedy who are like, that's all I want to know. And then there's also a big group of people who probably want to do comedy or just curious about how to even get started. And a more behind the scenes look into how these comics got to where they are, which has been going on the past two or three, four years, I feel like on their own pods. It's, It's very interesting to comedy fans. And it's weird that they just assumed that people wouldn't want to hear that, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Like if, if, some of my favorite baseball players that were in the major leagues that I looked up to when I was growing up, if they, if they had a podcast where they just went on and were talking about like, Oh, I thought about trying steroids when I was 16 cause everyone was doing it. And you know, yeah. and then another guy's like, yeah, I actually tried it for a couple of years when I was playing in the Dominican Republic and like, it kind of worked well. And you know, like just like shooting the shit about all these mm-hmm. different things that you're not supposed to talk about, or maybe, maybe you think, that the public wouldn't be interested in because it's too nitty gritty. Like, right. We, we, we've both, we both spoken to, to Mark Norman on our separate, separate platforms. And like, obviously he's a fucking hilarious dude. But, but one of the things that he said to me during the podcast was like, do you actually like, do people actually care about this shit when I'm telling you about writing jokes or like certain things that, are running through my head when I'm doing it. I, you know, I feel like this is boring to someone who wants to, you know, cares about comedy. They just want to see joke, mm-hmm. joke, 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 joke. And that was the one thing that I pushed back on where I said, there's so, there's so many people online on forums, on YouTube that are extremely and intensely interested in the, yeah. the, not only the jokes, but just like what goes into the jokes and the, the recipe 
for how a joke has progressed from, you know, maybe three years ago when you first tried it to making it into a special or even being a closing bit, something like that. Yeah, I almost think that's more interesting sometimes than the joke, because I mean, I not that I don't think comedy is funny, obviously, but like nowadays, I feel like I've seen so many jokes where it's like, I'm going to laugh and I'm going to laugh out loud if it's funny still. But like, you, you kind of know how a joke is 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 made or structured. It's just hard to catch you off guard with like a written stand-up joke. I feel like in today's day and age too. I mean, maybe that's because it's we're so oversaturated with content or attention span is down, or maybe because I've seen for every I just watch comedy all day and it's kind of my job. And I just I don't know. I don't know why that is, but I'm still so interested. I I still love comedy. I think it's funny, but I'm almost more interested in how they we're able to come up with that joke because it's almost like a magic trick trying to get people to elicit laughter uh, without their permission, you know, no consent, just noise out of your mouth. And it's like, it's like magic. And I'm more interested in seeing how they were able to come up with that, what's going on in their brain and how they were able to, how did this idea start? Where'd you come up with this idea from? How did it just enter your head? And then what were the steps that you took to customize this idea into something that is making people laugh uncontrollably like that is so interesting to me and it blows my mind that these comedians think that that's not what people want to hear about like of course jokes are what they do you know more and it's what people come to see and you couldn't do a whole show of explaining how to write a joke uh, like no one would go to that ted talk but maybe i would yeah. actually and maybe maybe yeah. you would i don't know i, think, I don't know i think I a lot of people would did it didn't andrew schultz yeah. do he did a ted talk kind of uh i don't know if it was about jokes but something along those lines of yeah his a behind was about the scenes like, thing what comedians can say now still i think or it, yeah maybe it wasn't maybe someone else did one where it was like about cancer culture i'm not sure uh but i don't know i just um yeah and i also am interested in like comedians going back to like being a fan of just youtubers in general or just the platform of youtube and youtube videos i think it's interesting when like they don't all have to be jokes i guess is what i'm saying like i think it's interesting hearing comedians talk about the spy balloon and like let's make a compilation of every comedian talking about that because like i said i'm we're fans of more than just one guy and i'm interested in what they have to say about everything you know i'm not gonna like take their political or medical advice or stuff like that but i'm interested in what they have to say about current events i don't follow Andrew Tate at all. I don't do any of that world, but I'm still interested in what these comedians have to say about what's going on with him. Like, I'm just interested in what they have to say. And I, it, people are too. I mean, the proof, I guess, is that my channel exists, but like, yeah, it doesn't even have to be funny, I guess, which is a weird thing. And it probably will be anyway, too. These guys can't help but, but be funny eventually. Yeah, I, I agree. I, so I've been trying to go to more and more live stand up shows in New York because. I I always watch stand up on my lunch breaks. Like I, I crush a, a ton of comedy content, and one of mm-hmm. my New Year's resolutions was go to more stand up shows. So I've I've been trying to go as many as I could before I, I went down to to Panama. You know, I'll, I'll go to some Spanish show here that I don't understand. Maybe Tom Segura will come down to Panama City, yeah, uh, and do a show. But like when when I I realize that when I go and, and see a lineup where it's not a headliner show it's just you know five or six comics on the bill i enjoy seeing someone try a joke and bomb and make the crowd awkward like there's just like an awkward silence or maybe someone Mm -hmm. says something that fires up like the cancel 
culture-ness of the New York crowd and there's just like very uncomfortable laughter. To me, that is just as fulfilling as seeing someone crush, like absolutely kill a room. The thing that is probably my least favorite is someone telling okay jokes or someone telling jokes where it feels like they're just on autopilot. Like even if they're killing, I'm like, if this guy's or girl's on autopilot, I, I'm I'm not really into it, but like I'll watch you bomb for 15 minutes and feel like I got my money's worth and just like yeah. you killed. Like it, it it's just like the Dave Chappelle joke where he says I'm evil, Knievel. You're paying for the attempt. I I I 100% agree. Like I just want to <laughs> see I just want to see comics yeah. try wild shit. And to go back to the basketball analogy, if you try a 360 dunk and you get blocked that is just as entertaining as you doing a 360 dunk and slamming it through the hoop. Like oh, one's sure. bombing, one's killing. Yeah. John Morant had a highlight where he jumped over Kevin Love and then missed, blatantly missed a dunk. And it was a highlight shown on ESPN for three or four weeks. Like it was a missed dunk attempt, but the, it was so athletic looking that it turned into like number two on the top 10. And it's like, this was this didn't even count. Like, what are we doing here? So that's, that's 100% true. And I love going to a show and seeing like like last year I was in Austin for the Moon Tower Festival and it was one of the coolest experiences of my life because I got to go five days where from two PM to two AM there's comedy shows happening and they're all within walking distance of each other, five different venues and and you can have this map and things are going on at the same time. You can pick who you want to see and they're all world class like headliners that are there. So it was awesome. It was just comedy immersion for for five days and I got to see all these really, really, really good, talented, the best in the world comedians going up and I'd get to see them do the same five minutes on many different shows, you know, because they, they're not doing all their stuff. They're going show to mm-hmm. show and sometimes you're following someone around so it, you know who's going to be there. And I got to see people do the same sets in slightly different ways. And it taught me so much just being there so much about comedy in general and and how these comedians are able to to do all these shows. Tonight. And I feel like when I'm at a show because of maybe because of when I had been on stage before and just because of my job now. And I just feel like I identify more with, with them than with a crowd member at times. And I feel like I'm putting myself in their shoes sometimes. And I'm thinking like, like when they bomb, I think that's so funny because the line is always like, all right, well, you know, you guys got to get used to more of that kind of stuff or, Oh, that didn't work. Like when they address their bomb, that gets such a big laugh because people are like, wow, that, that's just yeah. funny that you're aware of what's going on. And when someone, when you're at an open mic, which I've also seen hundreds of times, I'm probably done myself is when you, something doesn't go that well. And then you just go right to the next stuff and you go, uh, anyway. And, uh, and, and like it's yeah. a flustered moment. And it's like, well, now the crowd knows like one, you're nervous too. You don't know if this stuff is work. You're not even confident in your own jokes, but when these professional guys say something that doesn't get a good response, it's not even like bombing. Cause they know, that their joke is good so they can get out of it in the most simple way like okay like i love when people fight for their joke like they're like oh come on you don't think that's funny or they're like oh that didn't go well just addressing it is just is so fun like that gets a big laugh other than just being like uh okay anyway so uh my mom is is weird like yeah it just makes it awkward (laughs) yeah you just feel yeah you feel the awkwardness (laughs) and then people feel awkwardness is just as contagious as confidence and what one of my favorite moments of a comedian fighting for a joke I was at the New York Comedy Cellar last fall and I saw Mike Cannon do a set and he was telling a joke where he's naked in the shower and his son was in there 
and I, I forget the phrasing, but he was like, my, my son was, uh, you know, treating my dick like a chandelier or something like enamored by it. Um, but like people got uncomfortable in the audience and cause, cause it's like a grown man with a child and your dick is involved. And me and my friend Tyler, we were at, me and my friend Tyler were at the club and we start cracking up in a, like a near silent room. And Mike Cannon turned to us and he was like, no, that's a good fucking joke. You were right to laugh at that. And, <laughs> we, were, and we were like, all right, cool. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Because that's funnier. Like, like, And also saying, no, that's a good fucking joke in an almost silent room. Like, I'm sure the rest of the room probably got up a little bit after that. Like that line probably elicited some laughter too, because it's like saying that's, no, that's a good joke in a room full of people that seem to disagree is also being funny like you're and if especially like you're fighting for the um you're fighting for a joke about a guy in the shower with a kid and his and his dick is out and fighting for that with your life being like that's funny you guys are wrong it's just as funny as that joke being well written and delivered perfectly to an audience that likes it and everyone's laughing at the original joke to me bombing on that especially about such an awkward topic the more awkward the topic is the funnier it is when it's when it bombs and then yeah. being like doubling down it's it's the double down and being like no fuck you guys i'm the comedian i'm the funny one this is you're wrong i'm right that kills me i, I just think that's the funniest oh yeah it's better and, than and, jokes. and it is funny for a comedian to just look at you and be like no you were right to laugh at a child touching my dick you you were right to <laughs> laugh yeah. everyone else is wrong you guys good thumbs up like i felt yeah. like i got a gold star from my second grade teacher just like sticks it on my chest and i'm like <laughs> i did good at this show yeah your, your teacher would be proud of you in that moment Exa exactly yeah i so the i think one of the best at fighting for jokes is probably william montgomery who everyone <laughs> probably knows on kill yeah. tony like he'll he has two things where he He'll, if a joke doesn't work, he'll he'll have one gear where he acknowledges it, and he's just like, "That did not go nearly as well as I expected." And then there's another one where he'll just like start fucking yelling at people, telling them to get out if they don't think yeah. it's funny or like they say anything wrong to him. So I so I I do love when the comedians make the reaction of the joke a part of the bit, especially when you're testing yeah. out new material because it does it does feel kind of awkward if like you just say something and it doesn't go well and you're just like all right and now you know on to my next yeah it doesn't make joke. any sense you would never do that in real life if you said something to someone that visibly made them upset or uncomfortable you wouldn't or if you tried to tell a joke to your friend and it did bomb you wouldn't just go like Okay, now I'm gonna start talking about a completely new subject, like right, right now. Like that doesn't it doesn't feel natural, and it also is the comedian recognizing that like they are performing live and in this room, and it's a shared experience between them and the audience members, and they're all experiencing this together, and they're all kind of in this on the same team for the next hour or so. Because if they just move right on, it might as well be a robot up there doing the joke. You might as well be watching it on like that's just someone memorizing a piece of paper. And going up there and then just reciting it with their eyes closed and not even caring about what the result is like no other you know i don't know there's no other profession where they're not taking in the the live feedback of of what's going on and being like like why would you ignore that i guess and and none of the good comedians do so i guess that's goes all the way full circle back to when i was 
trying to learn more about comedy and wish that I had these podcasts that explain this kind of stuff. How do you sit in a bomb? How do you handle an awkward joke? It feels like the good comedians all do it one way. And then the beginners, the open micers all do it the other way. And that's just yeah. such a simple thing that you can learn through listening to podcasts and through going to a lot of shows. I think the best way to learn that would be going to live shows and a lot of them and just being like, because it's funny, you would think that someone at the Comedy Cellar or someone at Moon Tower Comedy Festival would never have a joke that goes that way. But they all do live. If you've only watched stand up on specials or on the clips that people put out on their own Instagrams, then that's not really that close to what a live show even is. Like even the best guys will have jokes where the crowd's like, what, what are you saying? Like there's a room full of tourists or it's not their audience. Like, so knowing how to yeah. battle that as an open micer is very valuable because all your jokes are going to be like that. And the professional guys who have one joke out of a hundred go, go astray. They're doing it one way. All the open micers, all the shittier comics are doing it the other way. It seems like a simple fix, but they're now with all this media out there, people are able to kind of study the film, just like in sports, you watch film before, after every single game. Now there's just more film besides a Netflix special where everything is perfect for up and coming comedians to look at and study and, and learn from. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that there's no profession where you would be expected to not interact with the audience or people saying something to you. But there is with street reporters in the news because there's so many compilations of someone reporting on a, you know, like someone's wife just got chopped up in the house behind them and someone rolls up on them and like lifts up their shirts like suck my dick faggot. And they just, the reporters, <laughs> the, re the reporters just like, uh, yeah, so the wife is dead. We're still <laughs> waiting. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, that's the guy that comes up, fuck her in the pussy, and runs away. And yeah, then he's like, yeah, oh. fuck her right in the pussy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, dude. News reporters don't even interact with fucking hurricanes going on behind them. They'll just stand there like it's seventy and sunny out. Nothing's wrong here. Blasted by wind. News reporters don't even react with each other. I feel like you could be sitting at the desk and look to your right, and you're just like, and I hate myself, and I'm gonna kill myself right after this telecast. Yeah. And they'll just be like, thanks, Jim. Now to weather. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like Anchorman. Go fuck yeah. yourself, San Diego. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so th this is something that just popped into my head thinking about sports and, and comedy. And, and you said you played tennis D3, right? Tennis and football, yep. Tennis weird and football. Oh, shit. You're a double athlete. Yeah. Holy shit. And, yeah, it was weird. It was, so it was a Division three school. And so they let me do both because obviously, like, if I'm playing for Ohio State, I can't play two sports if you're playing football. But so they let me do both. And one of our uh, safety coaches for football also was the head tennis coach because it was just a small school. So it was really weird because it's the strangest combination, football and tennis. But then also the coach had that same combination. So that also made it work well because he understood both my schedules and, and whatnot. But yeah, very weird. <laughs> very yeah. weird two sports. Yeah. The, I mean, some of the some of the best guys that I ever played with uh for summer baseball like we would go off in these leagues and, and play around the country some of the best guys i ever played with were from juco's and d3s like people that for whatever reason just got overlooked by d1s and mm -hmm. they're just fucking nasty or maybe developed late so like d3 yeah. you mentioned like it sounds like it's not as serious as d1 or whatever but like at least with baseball, there there is some of that, but there's also a lot of guys that are just like 
disgustingly good and got overlooked for whatever reason or just wanted to go to a better school yeah i i know i i say that because obviously if you're talking on any public platform you should just shit on d3 yourself instead of trying to hype it up because that's just the easiest way to do it i know how hard no you should start you should start doing that (laughs) anytime it comes up on a like a podcast or something just be like yeah i went to d3 and i'm i'm fucking (laughs) legit yeah. And uh, well, dude, I won a the tragedy, I didn't get drafted. You won the national <laughs> yeah, championship. I, okay, there you go. National champions. Like, it was a good program. And we have NFL players. Like, it's Mount Union. So, Pierre Garçon, Cecil, Cecil Shorts, um, the Eagles head coach, uh, Nick Sirianni went to Mount Union. It's a football powerhouse for just football. Um, but it's a 2,000-person school in a really shitty spot in Ohio. And it's there's not much to do there but play football. But it's still really hard, and it's it's really legit. And the guys there are all really good. I was a scrub. I, I didn't really play that much. But the starters there, they're all guys who either had not good enough grades to go to a D1 school, or they got in some sort of trouble, or especially at our specific school. Because like I said, we're the we're a powerhouse. Like These are yeah. all kids that either got kicked out of their D1 schools and had to transfer D3 or just didn't have the grades. Like Those were our 22 starters. And then it was just a bunch of white kids like me, scout team practice, like, let me get that ring and I'm never going to go in the game. Yeah, I was gonna, I was going to say you, you were a white safety. That's like me trying to be the center yeah. in the NBA. I, being it's like even worse. One. I was a receiver. I was a- <laughs> oh, my it's God. That, that is yeah. that is that is nuts. That's, yeah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah, like the, the the thing that popped into my head when we were talking about sports at the beginning of the episode and you mentioned the lifestyle of comedians when they're talking about staying up late, doing drugs, being degenerates. I know for a fact because, you know, I am one myself and I played with so many guys that baseball players are degenerates. Like we're just absolutely, uh, yeah. you know, just fucking dirtbags in, in a lot of ways, you know, good and bad ways. And part of me wonders how much of that degenerate lifestyle that comedy is is infamous for has to do with just the time that you have to perform rather than the pursuit of comedy itself because like if we had to if we had to practice and play games from 10 p.m to 2 a.m three to four nights a week i would be doing so many drugs just to stay awake or like yeah you know your your adrenaline's pumping after a performance and you want to go out after because it's two o'clock yeah. in the morning and That's like how so many how many comedians would be degenerates if they uh, all comedy clubs opened at 10 o'clock in the morning and closed at 2 p.m yeah. like that's true like like is it just the the timing of the art rather than the art itself well that's i there, i have a few things to say about that number one you definitely now that I'm looking at you look like a baseball kid from going to a small D3 school where everyone plays a sport. You would definitely be someone I pass. I'm like, he's he's on the baseball team. So you got your luck nailed. Down I, for your I, I appreciate that. This hair is new, though. I didn't I looked uh, much, <laughs> oh, well, much worse with a short hair. So I actually should have had this hair while I was playing baseball. Yeah, it's definitely. Much, much better. That's a shame you didn't. But the the time of so the time of day, I feel like has has a lot to do with it and just what you're doing like the act of comedy itself because even if baseball did take place from 10 to 2 a.m you still couldn't be that fucked up like being drunk would not be good for what you're doing but if baseball in baseball there was a time where you had to just 
let your mouth fly and, and you needed more confidence and you need to be on stage and that kind of thing. I feel like drugs would be good for that. Also, I feel like all of these people, and I'm not speaking for every comedian in the world, obviously, but I feel like a lot of these guys were uh, inherently degenerates. A lot of them have some crazy stories from their childhood about getting into this kind of uh, life before even they, they wanted to be a comedian. Or some of them are just like, like, I think Rogan says this all the time, comedians are inherently lazy and and they probably don't um i don't know i just i just feel like they're kind of that lifestyle just goes so well i i I had some other things to say while you're i feel like i forgot the uh the last part of of what you said about um oh just like the like the time of day being more responsible for the degeneracy of comedians than the actual pursuit of comedy itself Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, I just I, the time of day, definitely you need to be staying up. And oh, here's the last thing about when you said about the adrenaline. So I've done shows myself where I, it went really well. Stand up shows. I did 10 minutes at, at a, a spot that someone invited me to and I get home. And this is like the time I'm thinking of right now was in Cleveland because I got to go to uh, perform at Hilarities for the first time. And it was so oh, wow. cool. It's like a stage that people talk about all the time. It wasn't my show, obviously, but I got to be on their main stage and do 10 minutes. And then I went out for a little bit after, but I ended, I, ha- I had to end the night sleeping on my parents' couch. And I went back at like a reasonable time, at like probably like 1230. And I'm, st- I'm sleeping there. And I couldn't fall asleep until like three or four, because I'm just like, my heart's beating. I'm just full of that adrenaline where I'm like, I want to go party with my friends right now i want to go just stay up all night i want to drink i want to talk to more people we don't even have to talk about the show that just happened but i just want to i want to keep the night going and i don't want to be in this dark room on this couch sleeping right now so if i wasn't at my parents house i probably would have gone out and and continued the night and if i had to do that every single night because that was like a special occasion for me but if that was my life if i was doing that every single night yeah that makes a ton of sense why why you would end up that walking into that kind of life but also like I said before, I feel like a lot of these guys and girls that had that kind of uh, predisposition to that before comedy. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems like it. It's, it and you actually, I, I've played with guys who have been drunk or like buzzed during games that actually have done pretty well. I used to, I used to really? play summer base. I, yeah, I used to play summer baseball with a guy uh, who threw. 94 to 96 miles an hour like a, a lot fucking harder than i used to throw and he would bring a four loco with him into the bullpen oh and, and he, he wouldn't drink the whole thing but he would sip on it during games and also it's summer baseball so it's not like it, it's still badass to be able to do yeah. that but like summer baseball is just like fuck it like you, you just you try to ball out yeah. have fun like it's more about having a good time than it actually is performing for most guys there and like ironically the more fun you have the better you do i feel like it was when i took it too seriously that i'd had my most shitty games i feel like there's a lot of things just getting out of your own way and you can yeah and i I, so that that guy did really well you know with probably three or four drinks in him i think four loco is the equivalent to like three or four beers or something like that i had a uh two elbow surgeries on my left nerve and before i had surgery i would get this sharp sensation like almost like i was being stabbed in the elbow when i would throw just like your elbow cocks back and your nerve gets stretched across your bone and i before before i I ended up going under the knife i had a night where i went out like where i was 
considering surgery, like still throwing, but in a lot of pain. And I was just bombed coming back from this bar in Richmond, uh, Richmond, Virginia, where I used to play. And I was just like, for whatever reason, had a catch with one of my friends and kind of just like practicing the motion. And I felt nothing. And so I realized that it was alcohol in my system that was dulling the nerves. So there were a few games before I had surgery where I would put vodka in a Gatorade bottle, just like two shots, and I would sip on it. They're either in the bullpen or if I was going to start a game like before. So I would be like Mm -hmm. just getting buzzed, like past the point of being buzzed and going in games and feeling a lot less pain. So that's interesting. Yeah, I definitely can't drink a four loco and go out there and pitch. But two two shots, like I feel like in comedy too, you wouldn't want to drink an entire four loco and go on stage. But like one one to two drinks, you, you a lot of guys seem to be that that's their happy zone. Yeah, I guess I also forgot baseball specifically. Like you got Wade Boggs, you got that's a that's a sport where you can definitely oh yeah be sipping a little bit. I remember playing like intramural basketball after trying to drink like like in college being like let's do this game drunk or forgetting that you had a game with all your friends being like oh shit we're drunk we have to go play this and just feeling like i was gonna throw up the whole time but that's also a lot more running so (laughs) yeah maybe maybe baseball is definitely definitely doable but go ahead I was, I was just going to say, that's the reason I quit tennis because there was too much running. I played tennis and baseball up until eighth grade. And then I was actually worse at baseball, but I was like, I don't want to fucking run this much. And when you pitch, yeah. you just get the ball back. You have 30 seconds in between. So, yeah, you're right. It, yeah. it is totally different. If if you're running all the time, there's no way you could play fucked up or, or at least play fucked up and have a semi good time. Yeah. But I think like or you don't want to drink a four loco before going on stage. And you've heard I've heard Rogan talk about it. Like he likes like just one shot, just almost like a celebratory thing. And this was way long ago. I'm sure he doesn't do this every time before. Now I hear there's stories of him. He just likes to take like three rips of a cig before he goes on. Just something to stimulate um, that that mental thing. But if you were just a random person thinking of becoming a comedian or just going on stage for one open mic, you would almost like guarantee that there'd be alcohol in that picture because you'd probably be so nervous for your first few times where alcohol would kind of come in but as you get good at it and you are confident going on that stage and you're almost like i'm more worried about what the audience like you're not worried about yourself and you're more worried about the other parts of the show i feel like you don't and you don't need to be drunk to do that maybe drinking would do two or three uh shots would do some wonder to you know some uh improv or some uh, crowd work because you just w- would get out of your own way a little bit but if you're doing your own act there really would be no reason to drink now drinking after is a whole different thing because this degeneracy part that we were just talking about that's one of the things that drew me into comedy the most like the hardest because i i was always into comedy itself and being funny and jokes and making people laugh myself and comedians and stand up but the when i got to college is where my love for the comedy world really developed more than just these individual comedians or the idea of stand-up because I just loved their their whole vibe, dude. Like Joey Diaz or just the, like they're just wild motherfuckers that just do whatever they want. They're not responsible to anyone and they're they just live, they're just wild, dude. And I loved that. They're degenerates. And when you're in college, especially just starting to get into college, it's like the more degeneracy degeneracy is like a currency in college, especially with guys and with your friends and stuff. It's like the stupider shit that you get into 
the funner that story is or yeah. the more you're going to get to talk about and stuff like that. So like that part, time of my life also like butting up against really getting into more comedy and podcasts where they're talking about like their personal lives and getting to see that side of it. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, they're kind of scared of that part. But I, that was one of the parts I was like, these guys are sick. Like, I want to be one of these guys. Yeah. It, it did, being a degenerate and then also paying the bills is like a secret weapon where people try to come after you and they're like, you know, you're a piece of shit. You shouldn't be saying this, saying that. And you're like, I pay my rent doing this. Like, yeah. it's a legitimate, yeah. it's a legitimate job. It, it's one thing to be doing comedy for 10, 15 years. And, you know, that I, there probably are people that are really good at comedy that have been doing it for that long and just haven't gotten a break for whatever reason. But when you actually become a full-time comic or just like anything creative where you have the freedom to act however you want, there are certain types of people that for whatever reason, they just look down on people that do that but you can't really say anything because they make money and some of these guys yeah. make so much fucking money where it's just like you could have done this too if you if you wanted to you just chose yeah. to to get a normal job which is fine but like to talk shit about yeah. comedians because of that it's uh i i've noticed that there are, there are certain types of people that will do that it's just it seems like there's some people who treat comedians and it's like it's every a celebrity who doesn't not like an athlete or someone or a singer who's like just putting well i guess that's not true because comedians i think they don't see maybe the the stand-up seems way easier than dunking a basketball because it's a, a person who's not doing anything except for holding a microphone to a stupid person is what i'm saying they think that all you're doing is getting up there and just saying mean stupid things or gross things or degenerate things and you shouldn't be this. This makes me mad that you're this successful doing this stupid stuff that I don't think it's right for the world or whatever your problem with it is. And then I have to go report to my boss nine to five every single day. I have to wait in traffic or I have to do I just don't like my job. How many people get to actually do a job that they love as much as comedians love being a comedian? You hear Sam Morell or Mark Norman talk about how much they love comedy and getting to meet people and like work with their heroes like David Tell, who they loved when they were little. These guys love comedy so much and now they're comedians and the people that are hating on them pr probably wanted to be quarterbacks or center fielders or whatever. And they're now accountants. And I don't, it's not a, a lot of people have to do that. I'm not shitting on them, but when the people shit on the comedians for getting to live their best life for lack of a better term, I just, it's stupid. It's silly. It doesn't make sense. And I think it's because no one shits on an NBA player for joining the NBA because they're like, oh, yeah, he can do that and I can't. So it makes yeah. sense that they can do that. I'm not going to get that mad at him. But when it's just talking on a stage, it's harder to conceptualize that you can't do this. Like the talent and the skill and the effort and the time that went into this five minutes talking on the stage that I'm making it seem really casual, like it's off the top of my head because that's how talented these comedians are. It's all part of it which people don't even understand, it's so much easier to take shots at that because it seems so attainable and so simple and so stupid. Like, really, we're just going to let this guy have millions of dollars. All he does is stand here and and talk about black people on a stage and he's white and this and that and whatever. And it's like it took hours and hours his whole life to get to this point anyway. Like, he's so talented, you don't even know. And it's just silly that these I just and honestly, it might be because comedy isn't reported on enough. And then there's not like a news source like this. And there's not anyone peeling back the curtain and being like, this is what it takes to get to this level of, of 
comedy. You should really be more just impressed, happy to be in the room than I don't know. I I, I, yeah. I feel like I'm going off on these tangents on the end of these questions a little bit that, that maybe don't relate, but um, no, that it's perfect because. <laughs> It's perfect because I'll just ignore what you said, like a mediocre comedian, and then just go on to the next topic. Uh, no, I, I, I do. I, I agree that that comedy is such a pedestrian art in the sense that, like what you said, you're seeing a guy or a woman sit, uh, stand on stage. I mean, sometimes sit, Big J Okerson. Yeah. Um, but they're just on stage with a microphone, and they're saying words that everyone knows what they mean but mm -hmm. the things that go into crafting those words or the skills that go into you know doing crowd work and getting laughs and stuff like that that's not always apparent to the average person walking into a comedy club like if you if you go to a warriors game and you see steph curry hit 10 threes in a row no average fan in their right mind is going to be like waving their hand on the sidelines being like pick me pick me like i'll fucking <laughs> i'll sink right. the 11th one but you'll have people that go to a comedy club see a comic kill for 10 jokes in a row and then they're like let me add on to this a little bit let me just yeah, like yeah let me let me pepper his next joke with some comments from the crowd like i'll help him out yeah. like you would fucking uh like giving an assist to steph curry so i, I think it is because it just seems so pedestrian and so yeah Natural, normal too but, and you're in yeah. the room you're the stage is is not sometimes like not even a stage sometimes there's rooms where they're just standing on the same level as you and they're two feet away and it's like why would i not be allowed to just say whatever but that just blows my mind also maybe because i'm so into comedy and some people are so not and they're literally in new york city walking by and, and they're a tourist and they've never seen a comedy show and they're like let's go in here and have no idea how to act or what to do or what to expect so I, I honestly think it might just be as big as comedy is. And to you and me, this might just sound like, how is that even possible? I think it might just be an exposure issue on like what comedy is, what standup is, how hard it is to get to these points. And like, if you're going to a show where there, it's a packed room and you just assume that you're not funnier than, than I don't, maybe it's because everyone can do it. Like everyone can talk. Everyone has made someone in their life laugh. It, Everyone can sign up for an open mic too. So it's like, it seems like it's something that everyone can do, but then these higher levels is something that only maybe a few hundred or a thousand people can do period, like in the world. So I feel like the, the wires can get crossed and people can, I just don't think there's the respect for what comedians are doing that like, there should just be more respect. There shouldn't be, it shouldn't be something that that's this important and, and cool and fun and interesting and, and difficult should be more respected and not try it's constantly being chopped down and and insulted and belittled the whole idea of comedy even just being able to say whatever you want on a stage some people don't even agree that you should have the right to even do that at this point so it's like it just makes no sense to me and it's it's infuriating honestly that this is one art form everyone's like we got an artist let's protect art let's appreciate art but this is the one art form where everyone's actively trying to tear it down i can't even really think of another one like no one is trying to tell people to stop painting no one's trying to tell people what they can and can't sing or or play on the piano it's it's a shame and it's weird and i don't know why that is maybe because it lists so much emotion because they're words and it feels so real but like who still thinks that a comedian even means everything that they say i i I don't get it. I don't know.
Yeah, no, I, I, I have this, this argument with my girlfriend all the time, just about, cause like our, our sense of humor aligns probably like 75 or 80 percent which keeps things interesting. I actually enjoy the friction. Like we'll be watching something and she's like, you can't, you can't tell a joke about that. And I'm just like, let's see where it goes. Like, let's just fucking figure it out. But I, I think that people like, if you go into a comedy show, you should have the expectation that some of the things that are said during that show may not be what you want to hear or may offend you, or you may love every second of it. You may hate every second of it. But it's almost like you're going to a movie. Like if you walk into a horror movie and you get jump scared 35 minutes in and you weren't expecting yeah. it until later in the movie, that is a, you know, quote unquote risk because you're not actually getting hurt, but a risk of watching a, a form of entertainment and then having something happen to you that maybe you didn't expect. And I don't know, there, there's some sort of cognitive dissonance that goes on when people watch something like a film versus when people are watching a performance of stand-up comedy because the same people that say you can never tell a rape joke will watch movies with like full-on rape like more <laughs> graphic like yeah. more graphic than any comic will describe in their act like maybe they even yeah, just mention it they're not <laughs> yeah they're, they're like you can't tell rape jokes and then they'll watch a movie and there's like a 45 45 minute rape scene i'm like jesus christ like is that yeah like how do you how do you think that like and both should be allowed yeah. but I'm, but like how do you not see that comedy like the act of saying words is a performance and many times the comic doesn't even believe what they're saying they're just saying it because it's funny just like the director or the actors that are part of that movie don't condone that scene they're just doing right. it because it's a work of art it's not it's not meant to art isn't meant to depict what you feel and the beliefs that you hold it can sometimes but many times sometimes. it's just a reflect it's just a reflection of things that happen in the world yeah everyone is so hypocritical uh, uh, in general but like i feel like people are starting to realize that now i mean every complaint uh, on twitter about a comedian that's not who should be canceled who was being racist who's not he's this or that or whatever sent off these you know phones made by slaves like everyone's just so hypocritical without even realizing it but the cognitive dissonance part is so you're so right about that because think there's something about seeing a person a human being on stage whether it be dave Chappelle, it doesn't even have to be in person because i was thinking when you said like a longer movie like that um you know his specials are what people get the most mad about and yeah. those are like well-produced long movies and stuff but then you go watch south park or family guy those jokes are so fucked up it's almost like everything that they think dave Chappelle is saying is in south park or family guy but because they're cartoons yeah. no one cares it's so weird it's like and Listen, I don't want anyone to come for South Park or Family Guy. I, I think those shows are hilarious. But if those were uh, real life people as actors in that show, dude, it would be they'd get arrested for even pitching that in a in a meeting like like th those that couldn't be done yeah. with real people. It could only be cartoons because the humor. is So uh, I don't know. I, it's weird that we have to even like censor ourselves because of what other people who don't even like we're trying to censor our jokes and water down our jokes for people that don't eat, that aren't even the fans of comedy. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. Mark Norman having to change a joke because he's getting pressure from, this is an example, because he's getting pressure from Twitter and people are complaining and there's people that are upset, but his fans would never 
say that his fans would never get upset by a joke. They might not like one of his jokes. His jokes could be funny or unfunny or funnier or unfunnier, but no one's going to get pissed and upset and say that he should stop do, doing comedy or he needs to do different. So now people that aren't even fans are trying to dictate what's going on in here. I don't, I'm not a fan of painting or, or anything, you know, artwork like that kind of stuff. But I'm, so then I'm not going to go in and start demanding, like, we need more paintings of bridges and less of, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. Like you don't care about this. So then just leave it alone. Yeah, or just don't go or, or you know, do go, but then just accept that that is, you know, being offended or making, having a certain emotion run through your body that you otherwise yeah. would not think is ideal in another situation may be a part of it. There's something that happens when the lights go down in a movie and you're sitting in a theater and something's on screen, like maybe it's because... The, there, but even in a Broadway play, like you're seeing real people at a Broadway play depict scenes that are just as graphic and, you know, violent or offensive as movies. But when people when the lights go down on a Broadway play and you're sitting there, there's something that happens in the mass psyche where everyone knows that what's happening is not real. Yeah. And for whatever reason, that I feel like that mass psyche adoption mentality of what mm -hmm. we're seeing on stage is not real is only adopted by 60 or 70 percent of the audiences in yeah. comedy or 60 70 percent of the people in that room because like that's what i'll say to my girlfriend if we're watching a joke and um i mean like if, if something just as an example like if uh we're watching uh you know a, a bill burr special and there's a joke mentioned that she doesn't like or maybe there's a special that i don't like and i'm like i, I you know this is offensive to me for whatever reason the, the thing that i always go back to is that this is not real like the, like nothing mm -hmm. we're watching is, is real in the sense that it, it, it's anything more than just a human being performing something like the yeah. actual performance is totally made up like like a hundred percent of it could like when i watch anthony jesselnick i don't think that he's going around town <laughs> right. dropping babies on their heads like it, it's it's not real it's just it, and it's hilarious yeah. and and i love it i think what happens with that veil like you mentioned is a few things number one you when you go to see a comedian it's just one guy. So in a movie or everything else, there's a lot of other, you can tell a story and you can have um, some nuance. So you can spread out the blame of like the, the, the edgy topic or whatever. You can kind of spread it out. There's not one person to really, if you're a fan, to point your anger at because it's a whole play. It's an ensemble of, of people. But in, with comedy, it's just one person. The spotlight's on them. And especially in, in a live show, like in a club, it's so loose and fast and, and, and they're so impressive up there making it seem like this is all off the top of their head. And sometimes it is that it, it really seems like this is this person's real thoughts and opinions. Cause why would it not be like to the normal person? Why would anyone get up on a stage with a microphone and say things that they don't mean like that to a normal person that seems so embarrassing or confusing or like, why would you even do that? Like, why would you be Chris Stefano? Why would you go up there and pretend to be like slightly gay for no reason for yeah. all these people? <laughs> like to a normal person, that sounds like a fantasy punishment. You're like, why would I do that? Like, they just don't get that. And it's, it's just so much easier to be mad at that one person. And with a play, you know, 
a bunch of writers wrote this. It's maybe it's an old story from long ago and, and you're going to tell a tale and stuff with comedy. You know, this guy wrote this. So this guy must mean it because he's the only writer. He's the only performer and he's standing right here and he's saying other stuff that he means. That's the other thing. There's also comedians who will do these whole long comedies kind of, evolved like now there's comedians there's one for there's someone for whatever you want if you don't want to be offended at all if you don't want anyone to push the boundaries there's comedians that will do that for you and will just say like clean knock knock jokes basically if you're a family man and you want some just wholesome christian Mm. comedy you can find nate bargazzi and there's people like that if you want joey diaz you have stuff like that if you want theo vaughn you have people like that but the um what was i gonna say (laughs) fuck I keep you're talking about getting, um, I keep you're talking about like there's uh there's someone for everyone like you can you can choose uh different um, different people for your taste like Nate Bargatze, Tom Segura. Yeah. But oh fuck. What were we just talking about before that? <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, 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 that's that's fine. So well, this is perfect cuz something you said um reminded me of th- there's a, a moment in Kill Tony with Tom Segura. He was he was a guest on Kill Tony and and you were saying something along the lines of uh like it's funny when comics say things they don't mean or or say things that are not right mm-hmm. or uh you know morally correct and and there's a guy that came on kill tony while while tom was a guest and he was saying something about leaving a kid and his dog in the car i forget the actual joke and it was a really good set but at the end of his jokes he would say ah, i'm just kidding like that's uh, yeah. I'm just joking. And Tom's advice was, no, just say it and don't say you're joking. That It's funnier for you to just let it hang in the air and be like, I, I do leave my kid in my car and my dog in my car. And then yeah. just like let the laughter or uncomfortableness happen and then go on to the next joke. And like, I, I feel like when you realize that nothing is real up there and even if it is, it's still meant to be taken as a performance that disconnect of not acknowledging that yeah this is just a joke because like that's implied by the act makes it even funnier because it makes it seem like the comedian doesn't care about something that they would as soon as they walk off stage like they're they, you yeah know, they, they're gonna care about like just but like for a 15 minute section of their day they're like trying to make you believe like i don't care about any of that shit and like that's what yeah. makes it funny that is funny yeah because like a normal person would be so concerned that other people would think that they lock their dog and kid in their car, that immediately they would want to scream at you. I don't do that. Like, I don't do like, that's the whole point. And that's why they're the comedians and they're able to sit through that awkward feeling. But what's happened, I feel like now is that people try to make, there's some comedians that try to make points in their standup and try to actually make it how they feel and give it like some sort of positive message which is fine and like i was saying before there's all sorts of different comedians or someone for everyone different styles but then that makes it confusing for fans who just saw someone try to like do this whole inspirational there's a point there's a message there's a good theme and i'm trying to teach you something and then they go see joey diaz do a show and it's like well wait this person meant everything they said they swore they meant everything they said and they were trying to say that i should think this too and then you have Joey Diaz talking about stinky pussy and how he's trying to, you know, it's like, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. And so that's how I feel like those lines can get crossed too. But my whole thing is if you're going to that show, you should subject yourself to whatever's about to happen to you. 
just like sports. Like you go to a sporting event. I've been to so many sporting events where it just doesn't go my way. I don't like the result. Just like these people in the comedy clubs are being like, I don't like what you said. I don't like how this went. I don't like the result of this show. I thought to myself while being in a sporting game thousands of times, you know, I don't really like how this is going. I don't like how this is going. I don't like the result. I don't like what's going on here. But that's not because my the other team's racist. Like, it's just because that's what's yeah. happening. And in comedy, I feel like it's just such a subjective. I feel like you should almost just watch and just remove every like you're watching a sporting event. Like, I have no control over this. Whatever happens is at the end of the day, the results almost pointless because watching sports is it's really just about the journey of watching it, the ups and downs, the excitement, your team's losing, they come back, they win. It's super exciting. And then an hour after the game, you kind of just move on with your day. And I feel like that's how people should really be approaching comedy shows where you go, oh, I liked that joke. Uh, That one kind of pissed me off. Oh, that one was really funny. I was really laughing. Oh, that one reminded me of something in my life that I didn't really like, but that's not his fault. Oh, then it's over. Okay. Uh, That was a good show. Oh, that was a bad show. I really liked it. I didn't like it. Whatever. Just like going to a sporting event, you're walking out of there the exact same way. Sometimes people, there's people, I I grew up in Cleveland, going to a Browns game, Mm. you'd be walking back pretty much every single game and it's just a sea of people just swearing and cussing and moaning it sucks i hate this it's a poverty franchise i hate my life i'm gonna kill myself all that stuff walking <laughs> back and that's how people need to be going after comedy shows where they didn't agree with the messages ah oh, that i this sucks i hate myself why did i go to that whatever blah. they should be more like pity sports fans than just like salty at the comedian who's doing their job and getting paid for it and is very successful and in most cases, more successful than the person complaining. So it's like, it's not up to you. It's, you don't get to choose what's, what, what happens in there. It's, it's a live event and the result will be the result. But like, if you go to a boxing match and your guy gets knocked out in the very first round, that's not anyone's fault. Like you, that's just what happened at the event and that's it. So I feel like it needs to be more just like, that's what happened at the standup show. That was what that show yeah. was. Maybe the other one will be different or maybe I liked it. Like that's just is what it is. Sometimes your guy wins too. Yeah. It's, it's almost like some comedy fans treat seeing certain comedians do stand up like they're invested in them, like in fantasy sports where you have money on the line and you've like <laughs> picked, picked certain players as part of your lineup. Because a lot of times I'll see heated exchanges on Twitter, uh, you know, which as a third party watching them are super entertaining where someone will pick, you know, uh, whatever, uh, like Joe Flacco as their quarterback and Adrian Peterson running back. And they just both shit the bed. And some guy gets on Twitter is like, how the fuck could you do that? Like you fucked me. Like, God damn it. My, my, I'm I'm down to my, I was down to my last hundred bucks and like, you completely screwed me. It's almost like there's some fans that kind of have that mentality like they're putting a comic in their lineup and they're like, I hope everything he does is what I want to see or what I want to hear. And then he doesn't, they're like, you fucked me. Like you screwed me. I didn't want to, I didn't want to hear that tonight. Like I didn't sign up for that. Like whatever. It's, 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 uh, yeah, there, there's, uh, the whole crossover. I feel like we could just do an entire series on sports versus comedy and like comedy comedy fans versus sports sports. fans. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, the fan part is is real too, though, because I mean, I see it in my comments all the time. It's it's so funny. I even put up a screenshot in the community section of my second channel just because I was like, this is just the internet's so funny, man. Like, I'll have a, I posted like a Chris DeStefano try not to laugh compilation, like highlight reel, and in in back to back comments, one person was like, 
dude, like Chris fucking sucks. Like Chris is so unfunny. Like I hate this. And then the one under it is like, Chris is so good. Like I love Chris. This is so funny. And I think the one I put on my uh, community section, the one I screenshotted was, it was from the best of February where Theo Vaughn's guest was logic, the rapper logic. Yeah. And the, the first comment said that Theo and logic pod was goaded right under it. One second after it said that Theo and logic pod was the worst shit I've ever seen. And I had to screenshot that. Cause I was like, this, this is so, this is the internet dude. Like no one, everyone has such a subjective taste. No one even likes the same things. That's why I think it's so stupid when people get mad at, something not being up to their standards like watching a video and being like that wasn't funny and now i'm mad it's like but a, th- a thousand people thought it was funny you know what yeah. i mean like you're not the you're not in the in the majority here so but that's okay just don't you don't have to get angry about it or try to ruin this guy's life or try to be like oh his he should make less money he shouldn't be able to work like this comedian shouldn't be able to work his family shouldn't be able to eat because he didn't live up to my expectations because he said something that I didn't agree with, or it wasn't as funny as I thought it's, it's just, I just watched this interview with, um, I don't know if you saw it. It's like the moody conversation with Lil Yachty and Drake on YouTube. It got, no, posted, no, like, I haven't seen ago. it yet. It, it was like, at first I didn't know what it was. And then I just saw the views kept going up. It got to like 3 million views. I was like, let me check this out. And it's just a conversation between them on the, on the beach. But at one point Lil Yachty says to him, like, are there, is there any rumors or things you hear about you that makes you, mad or like what's the craziest thing that just haters will say about you and he says whatever and then Lil Yachty goes well my craziest one about you to Drake that makes me the most mad for you is when people go you aren't a real rapper for just no reason and then he Mm kind of reflects on that and he's like well I guess you know when you're at the top of anything like how Drake is at the very top of music game I think is most number ones ever more than the Beatles it's like when once you get to the top of that People will just be eager to say, well, you aren't that just to discredit it completely, even when there's nothing to stand on, because that makes no sense to say Drake isn't a rapper. He raps in front of all of us. And I heard him say that. And I immediately thought of my comment section, how many times every single day on at least one video going off. I see this comment so much. Joe Rogan is not a comedian. Why is Joe Rogan in this video? I thought it was comedians react, not even a real comedian. And instantly I thought of that exact interview being like, these are two guys arguably very adjacent. This looks so gay, very adjacently at the top yeah, there of you what go. they're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and people will just be like, you're not a comedian where he's like, how could you can't say that? Just like, you can't say that me and you are not talking right now on this computer. Drake is a rapper. Uh, Joe Rogan's a comedian and we are talking right now. But when you get to that, top of the game people just say anything online and i feel like that's just online stuff that we're maybe not used to yet because it's only been around for 10 15 years but like yeah putting weight into everything that someone says is just stupid because people will say stuff like drake's not a rapper and joe rogan's not a comedian so then how can you believe anything that's said in the comments yeah so i actually had a pretty i guess it, it, it was funny to me i had a revelation recently where I've been watching Red Bar Radio. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Mike Red Bar. I've been told that I'm his anti counterpart. Like I'm the, I don't. I've never watched it, but I've heard comments saying that I'm the the positive, the uh, positive Red, Red Bar. Bar. So yeah. So he puts out clips where, uh, like he's essentially trashing comedians and hating on comedians and, and specials or the things that happen online like the tiger belly so yeah like that. Then, yeah i guess I am, like but. the anti yeah <laughs> um okay and i i i forget 
what special was it that he just went through? Oh, uh, Cheeseburger with uh, Andrew Santino. Mm-hmm. And I watched Cheeseburger and I loved it. I thought it was a, a great special. And I, I'm a big fan of Andrew Santino and, and his podcast. And then I was watching Red Bar just eviscerate Cheeseburger. And I was like, this is entertaining too. Like I, I loved the special, but also this guy hating on the special is funny to me. Like the things that he's saying and Red Bar, I know he's playing a character too, but like I used to get mad at Red Bar for some of the videos I watched and I'd be like, you don't know what you're talking about. Cause he'd be like, if you like this comedian, like you're fucking retarded. And I'm like, I love this guy. Like I'm not retarded. <laughs> um, but then I just saw it as like, he, he is of the same side of the coin or like two sides of the same coin with comedians because like what he's so good at is taking anything and hating on it and making it entertaining Mm -hmm. and what a good comedian will do is they'll take any topic and they'll make it funny and sometimes they do that by hating on it so like i've kind of like if there was one thing because we're talking about other people being offended like i've watched red bar and i like totally uh you know like took the bait and i was like oh like like i love this special like don't don't talk shit about my shane like that like (laughs) whatever yeah and uh then i'm like okay if i'm watching comedy and i have this cognitive dissonance like it's not real then i have to extend him the same thing and say you know i i don't know this guy he has a channel where he hates on comedians and and he's pretty much like the you know the the biggest guy in that space like the the trashing comedians and like if it's entertaining then i'll watch it and if it's not it's not same thing with comedy i won't go a step further and say because red bar said this i now know that he does this or what i'm watching is wrong in any way and he'd probably hate that comparison to comedians but i kind of had this like revelation in real time while i was watching him you know, do his takedown of cheeseburger. And I was like, I love the special. And I'm also watching this video. And both of these yeah. are, you know, making me uh, entertained in some way. Well, I don't think it's like, that's, that's, I think that's the perfect perspective to have on it. Because at first I was, I was thinking like, well, if you are a big Andrew Santino fan, why, what made you even want to click on, on that video? But then hearing, well, you know, it was also entertaining seeing him just kind of shit on it, break it down like that. And it's also something that you watch, so you know what he's talking about. So you feel like, oh, he made a video about something that's happening. I know what that thing is, so I wanted to see what it's. I, I definitely get why that's entertaining, especially because just the same way we were talking about like holes in the market. Like I wanted to create a sports center for comedy because there's a, enough people, enough fans that wanted this type of content out there. There is definitely enough people who hate on Joe Rogan, his friend group, and those type of comedians, especially. So like he that's just another niche on YouTube basically that's being filled by him. And if it wasn't him, I'm sure someone else, it it doesn't seem like very popular industry or niche to fill, but it is one where it's like, there's enough people that hate these guys. So let's just get a content create, like let's create content for that. And that is something that you have to respect for sure. But, and it also is like comedy where it's like, like you said, if you're going to not get, if you're going to tell people not to get offended in a comedy club because of noises that came out of someone's mouth, then it should be the same thing on the internet and he is taking these things where like i haven't watched any of these videos but he's just taking like cheeseburger you'll just be like yeah what is what's up with his shoes like i can't believe he's wearing these shoes yeah. like hate on just anything basically which is like a talent yeah but it's also like you know 
your assignment before like he knows what's going on beforehand he's like okay there's santino's coming or yeah santino's coming out with the special in march all right i'm making a video hating on that before he even saw it and so the one thing that i would argue that comedians probably do differently than that is even if they are saying something hateful it's a lot harder to make something funny and hateful not just be hateful and he might be being yeah. funny in these videos because we know all these comedians so well so maybe sometimes he says something that's really funny because you have this connection with the comedian but he didn't build that connection the comedian you know you thought that was funny because you're a fan of of that comedian you know what i mean like you if i i don't it's hard to talk about this without knowing watching the videos so maybe i should just stop but i was i was just thinking no, that right. like, if uh if a comedian it is comparable in that free speech and like you can say anything to get a, a, a reaction and be funny. And he's filling a very large niche where people want those type of videos. But I think that the comparison in my mind kind of would bend at the point of like, he's making hateful content pre uh, premeditated. If this is a court of law, all his hateful contents premeditated. If any news comes out about Rogan, about Santino, about whoever else he covers, he will spin zone that negatively no matter what my channel still even today if i hated cheeseburger i'm not just going to make a positive comedians react to cheeseburger video uh for no reason like just because santino is like one of the guys on my channel i'm not just going to say everything he does is good or not good like that's not what uh comedy media source would do so i'm not premeditated being like i'm gonna make a video about how much i love cheeseburger and how about it's so funny before i even saw it but i feel like these type of content creators that focus on all negative because it's not just him. I know other channels where it's like they're still talking about the same comedy drama, one story from like a year ago. And like now their channel is just dedicated to like one part of the comedy world drama that's been not talked about for the last year yeah. by the actual comedians, but they're just public, per, uh, putting this up to the fans. And so it's still talked about, but the actual comics couldn't give a shit anymore. Um, so it's not premeditated for me, if something is funny, if I love it, I'll say that. If it's not, I'll maybe stay away from it or I'll say what I didn't like about it. I'm still trying to be generally positive. But if you're just going to be like, no matter what this person does, I'm making a video, hating on it, and I'll figure out what I hate about it afterwards. Like, you're not even giving yourself a chance. But I also understand if you're playing that character for this content niche or the people that want to hate on these comedians, there can never be a video where it's like, Red Bar has a change of heart, where he's like, you know what, guys? I watched Cheeseburger and this is, this guy might be onto something. Like, I, I yeah. don't know. Like, Cheeseburger, like, that's never going to happen. So yeah. he is just playing that character. De it's like definitely a WWE wrestler. Exactly, yeah. He's, like, playing the heel in a sense. It's two definitely different two forms of entertainment and different feelings. But the, the through line for me is that he, like, a comic will they'll sift through topics and not every topic or story will make a good joke, but they'll be flipping through things and be like, okay, maybe I'll do a joke about this, this, this. And so mm -hmm. in that aspect, the, the attempt at humor is premeditated and I'm sure, you know, he gets dozens of stories a week that are happening all across podcasts, different feuds and things like that. So he's like, all right, which one's going to be the best to hate on? He's like, all right, all of these, I'm going to hate on these clips in the channel. And I feel like with him, like what's what's so entertaining is because uh, like I have vivid pictures in my mind of being in the locker room with baseball guys and watching one of my friends go on an angry tirade against something and like 
it's so entertaining. Like they're just like everyone's mm-hmm. kind of like sitting back and watching this person hate on something. Like fuck this, like this. Uh, but it's so yeah. I kind of I kind of feel like it's similar energy where you're being entertained by how someone hates something and not necessarily the thing that they're hating. I will say the one That's difference true. is I, I will say the one difference is I never watch comedy and think that you know I should limit the amount of laughs that I'm having because I'm, I'm just like laughing way too much. If I watch too much red bar, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be like watching this much hateful material. Like this is going to change. This is going <laughs> to yeah. change my brain. I'm going to start fucking yeah. hating comics. I, I feel like it's a, uh, it's kind of a funny, uh, like uh, just like a hoop to, that I enjoy jumping into and I'll just go yeah. on streaks where I'm like, what is, I wonder what he's saying about this. And he, he had a moment where, like it, it had to be the most obvious, not breaking character, but just to let you know that what he's doing is the hate. Like he, he's he's coming into it knowing that I'm gonna hate on everything that I put on this channel. He's ne- he's never gonna put uh you know someone special up and be like, this was amazing. Like let's just applaud yeah. it for an hour. There's one moment where he's he's doing a show and someone asks him on the the live stream chat who are your favorite comedians? And he looks into the camera and he says, none of them. They all suck. <laughs> There's not a single one. And it's just like, yeah. at that at that point, it's it's just like, yeah, like everything, like I, y- y- there, there has to be a single comedian on the planet that this guy finds somewhat entertaining. So like, just like that kind yeah. of moment, I was like, Maybe all right, like, like I, I get what he's doing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, I get it too. And like I said, it is, I mean, I don't, I wish I knew more, more about this so I could really talk about it because I feel like this is probably something that uh, I would like to have more of a, like a good take on because I don't know, I've heard like, it, it seems like this is just a YouTuber making content and it's, and it's about comedians. So maybe like it would be annoying to someone like me who loves the comedians and this guy's only making hateful stuff about him. But like I said, one of my biggest YouTube inspirations, Cody Co, all of his videos, that's cringe, all this, that, whatever, is like taking a viral video or someone's whole account. He'll take someone's whole fucking account and just tear them down and yeah. rip them apart. And I'm like, this is so funny. Like this is hilarious. Yeah. But usually what makes you feel better about it is one, you can tell he's like he's very funny but feels like a little shy about just like shitting on this person. So it's like, all right, we're in this together. Like we're going to make jokes about them, but like, I don't hate their guts, which like makes you feel a little bit more calm. But then also it's someone like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like ridiculous, like uh real estate people or back in the day, it was like the Paul brothers or it was these like real hateable characters where they're like either ripping people off with crypto scams or they're making terrible rap songs about it's everyday bro or you know yeah. these that's cringe videos or it's a celebrity like uh the sugar gay one where he's like that one the mark like those ones it's yeah. they're reacting to something that is so like uh you either really feel like yeah this person like the jake paul rap video this should get a that's cringe reaction video or the celebrity losing their mind or like the religious girls that are like, you can't hold any guy's hand before you marry them. Like you have a feeling where it's like these videos need some sort of funny reaction video to them. Cause they're so ridiculous. And I guess that's probably how there people feel about some of the stuff these comedians do, I guess. Um, so 
I, you know, yeah, I should respect everyone's content because I like watching Cody's videos. And so I, I guess that's how people feel about watching, watching his videos. But I just, I feel like putting a year and a half into shooting and editing and just working your ass off on making cheeseburger is so much different yeah. than Jake Paul's everyday bro. So do they both need a roast video about them? Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But I do get why it's fun to watch. It, w- it would be funny if behind the scenes, Red Bar was DMing comedians and saying, I, I love you, actually. Like, please don't be offended <laughs> yeah. by my video. He's he's like, I'm subscribed to the top tier of your Patreon. I, I fucking love your content. I just, <laughs> he's, I just I, I'm a, he's like, I'm a hater. I can't do anything about it. I'm a sick fuck. Yeah. I love hating on shit, but I love you. Yeah. Like, I have no idea. It would be, uh, That would be hilarious if one day, like, his DMs got hacked and he's just like, super thoughtful behind the scenes to all these comedians Dude, one of the things that i heard that i don't know really is true but i watched maybe like the first three minutes of like an 11 minute video about joey diaz like doing a rant about this guy and then i think i turned it off because i was like i don't know the characters i'm confused in what they're talking about but part of this rant was him just really going at him and then saying like he took it too far doxing people like giving out addresses talking about kids like does he talk about like shit people's babies no nothing i've seen i i haven't seen doxing i'm also not subscribed to the platform where he puts all the videos on his website like the full videos i just click on the the youtube clips so okay it's possible that he has done things in the past i I haven't seen anything in my mind that would be crossing the line i mean the the, the one thing i will say that like kind of put a bad taste in my mouth was when he had Andrew Tate on and he was talking to him like he was a big fan and then at the end he was kind of like this is all a ruse like you fucking suck like whatever but and like regardless of what people think about Andrew Tate uh you know and like the legal allegations are obviously fucked up if those are true but this is this is before that where he was just kind of like this hated internet character and he had Tate on and at the end he 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 kind of was just like you you suck like go away and just Tate was just like sitting in front of the computer being like what like this was like you tricked me into yeah. having me so it, I was like if this is real then that's kind of uh, that's weird like, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't personally you know do that but I mean it, it's it is yeah it is what it is like I I've found some of his stuff entertaining and other stuff is I'm just like ah eh, that's not for me it's, um, yeah. I mean, it's content and like, and Tate's making content and we make content and like, we're just all focused on different niches. Like you, you'd like to talk to interesting people and Tate likes to, you know, make crazy statements about women and Red Bar likes to just hate on comedians. But really, if you were an alien coming to earth and we're like, okay, teach what's YouTube, what is, what is all of this? What's making a video? What's finding like a niche of content? They they wouldn't think anything else is weird. They'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. There should be someone hating on comedians. There should be someone supporting comedians. There should be someone sticking up for women. Probably makes sense for someone to be going against them. Like, if you just weren't as ingrained and conditioned into just where we are now, which isn't our fault, we're just living life, you know, in society. If you took, took a huge step back, look at this all from 50,000 feet. It's like, yeah, every content niche will have someone filling that of course like just because i literally couldn't be farther from what red bar is doing we're complete opposites so it's like awkward to sit here and be like 
anything positive about yeah. that because all, my challenge is trying to support and and share and get more exposure to comedians and his is literally like he's saying i don't i hate every single comedian (laughs) but if i was an alien i would say this is makes complete sense you know what i mean yeah and there's probably something wrong with me that i like both it's there's probably a (laughs) screw loose in my brain where i'm like i loved this comedian special and you know it made me laugh and i know all the the work that went into it doing multiple mics five times a week and and then i watch a video tearing it apart and i'm like also entertained by that so maybe it says more about me than it does the the actual channel so i don't i don't think uh (laughs) you know anyone however you feel about it uh it's more more of a reflection of my own tastes i'm just gonna go to the the bathroom real quick and then i'll i'll be right back cool i'll do the same actually cool Hey, what's up, guys? This is a quick note about the episode. The last half of the episode that you're about to hear, Jake's voice will actually be in a slightly higher quality because for whatever reason, when we recorded the episode, the first half of it, the software I used indicated it was uh, Jake's voice was being recorded through his microphone, and that's how I heard it. And apparently it recorded through his AirPods and I was not aware of this during their recording. There was no indication on the software. So that's why the first half sounds slightly less quality, but still still decent. The second half of the episode, it switched over to his microphone. Sounded the same to me, but whatever it was, there, there was some sort of malfunction with what I was seeing in the software and what Um, the software was actually recording the source of the recording. That's just a long way to say that you can enjoy Jake's voice in a slightly higher quality for the last hour, hour and a half of this episode. Thank you guys for making it this far and tuning in. I love you and enjoy the rest. So, so speaking of outrage, what did you think of Chris Rock's new special selective outrage? Mm. Oh, wow. That was a good transition. I loved it. I I thought it was awesome. I thought, well, first of all, I tuned in. I was editing the comedy news on Mondays. And, oh, wait, no. What was I editing? Oh, I was editing uh, Chris Stefano Try Not to Laugh, which I needed to get out on, on that Saturday, March 4th. And I ended up posting that at, like, 9.30. I had known about that selective outrage. Obviously, I did a video about it. I put it in my community section earlier that day. Then I went all in on editing my Chris Stefano Try Not to Laugh video. Get done. This is usually like an all day thing posted around 930. Look up from this trance of like editing a video. I'm sure you know, or you just don't even know what time it yeah. is, or what's going on. You're just working on this video. I'm like, oh, my God, the Chris Rock thing starts in 15 minutes. First of all, now I'm pissed. I just uploaded a video to a bunch of comedy fans when <laughs> this thing's starting in 15 minutes. The first ever globally live streamed Netflix stand up event. And I'm like, oh, go watch my video that I like that. I was like, that's stupid that I just posted this right now. Yeah. But then also I was like, oh, shit, I got to get ready. I got to get this on the big screen. I got to get this round sound going. I want to like lock into this special. So I ended up getting it all set up around 10 p.m. So I did miss like the intro show, but I saw him come out. I saw the whole special and and the after show. And I thought it was, I mean, I'd like to talk about it a lot with you, the content of it, the, the Will Smith part, but just in general, uh, overlooking Netflix view live event, I thought it was very successful. I think they're going to have to start doing this with more guys moving forward. It might not have all the hype behind it with the slap and with this and that whatnot, but like, 
like we're talking about sports a lot, it felt like watching a sporting event. There was a few stutters. The camera wasn't like perfect for every joke. It was like watching a real sporting event where it starts at 10. You got to get there. You got to get the thing set up at 10 and then it ends. And you're like, when is this going to end? Like you didn't really know what time it, it was cool. It was live stream. And I would like all of my uh, favorite comedian specials, if they're going to be on Netflix to be done that way, especially if they're going to do a live stream and then edit it back into a special and, re- and put it on Netflix again. If that's what they're doing, I don't think there's any reason for everyone not to do their special live because that's like, that's, it felt so cool. Yeah. I, I wonder how much of the decision to do a global live stream Netflix special was made in the aftermath of the success of Louis live stream at Madison Square Garden. Cause I I love that. Like that was the first live stream special that I yeah. that I ever watched. I don't think there well, have been many available yeah. before that. Um I do know that the news for the Chris Rock thing was out well before the news for the Louis thing. Okay. So if you're just going off of when they told the public, then the Netflix thing was already uh, locked up. Yeah. I wouldn't even be surprised if Netflix had like after the slap, if they'd been working on this for a long time, because like Chris Rock had been touring during, he was on his ego death tour during the slap. His next show was in Boston. When there's that video of him on stage, everyone's like going crazy, like right after it happened. I wouldn't be surprised if Netflix has had this in the work too. Cause they've been doing a lot of like, they did some live events for the Netflix is a joke festival that where Chappelle got attacked. That whole festival was Netflix, like a three week thing there. And they've worked with Chris Rock before in other ways. So I would think that this was like their big plan. And then I like, cause I felt the opposite way. I thought, cause I had heard about this Chris Rock thing. And then the Louis thing showed up and I was like, oh, this is hilarious that they're like stepping on his toes like this almost. Yeah. Not the comedians, but like Louis versus Netflix, because they were hyping this up as like first time ever for only one of its kind. And then right before Louis just slid in and was like, no, I'm going to do this at MSG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either way, like however it happened i i i agree with you i i enjoyed the live aspect of it and having the feel of watching a comedy special because obviously the the cameras are still super high def you don't you don't feel like you're watching a a live video from someone's phone like it still feels like you're watching a special but having the moments where you could kind of tell you know either louis or chris rock or just saying things that may or may not be included in the special to have those extra moments where if you tuned yeah. in people that are watching the special may not get it or may not have like the the i feel like it adds to the experience being able to see the yeah. whole hour 15 hour 20 minutes and then when that's later cut down into an hour special you you can say like oh yeah like he he also said this when i watched it yeah. live versus just seeing the special or the chris rock at the end uh like i'm sure he's he's doing multiple nights in baltimore so this won't be in the special but when he he was talking about will smith and he said uh, emancipation instead of concussion and he was like i mm-hmm. fucked that up like i meant concussion i thought that was cool because i'm like oh shit like this like you never see this in specials never unless yeah. you're in their recording audience so like just like the behind the scenes look, I, I feel like it gave you a cool window in to like j- just like a live performance. Specials aren't perfect and you're seeing the mm-hmm. extremely 
edited version of it and you're doing it multiple nights. So if you screw up a joke one night, you have another chance to do it the next night or you can just start over and do it again and start from the beginning. Um, And that's also really cool. Yeah. And I saw the beginning of how that kind of works, too, on when I made a video yesterday about the, the special or I started to, I was looking for like B-roll and stuff. And I found this, uh, this news report on Chris Rock's first live special, blah, blah, blah. And then they had a clip of that joke of him saying it the right time though. when he went back and said it, he said it perfectly this time. And in my head, cause I watched it live. I was like, Oh, that's funny that they, they're including this as like the, the joke that he nailed. Cause it was like, now I just watch emancipation and see Chris Rock or, uh, see, I messed it up too. I just messed Will Smith. Yeah, there you well. go. We'll do this again. We'll start over the the (laughs) entire podcast and we'll just start from the top. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. But yeah, I thought that was really I thought that was really dope. And it was cool to see that it was live. You could tell when he was pacing around and he would say something outrageous that you don't almost don't even expect because I'm I'm 24 years old. When the first times I saw Chris Rock, he was almost like just the voice in Madigan. He was already in this like new age Chris Rock version of himself so when he's up there talking about buying coke or talking about fucking girls or whatever like crazy chris rock and then i'm like oh shit like this is this is what all those guys talk about why this is his favorite of all time like it was cool exposure for me too as a younger person getting to see one of the all-time legends performing live and in his well i would say it's his prime that i thought that was a great i thought that was a great special so it was cool and then after he'd say something more risky or edgy, he'd go back to the crowd and be like, yeah, we're really doing it here, Baltimore. We're live. And like, you just tell he had some energy. He was pumped up and he yeah. was almost like angry with inspiration of like being, being able to do this live. So maybe obviously these circumstances were very extreme. I don't know if this could be replicated <laughs> with every special, but there's definitely a short list of, of men and women who would be able to pull off a live special and get people hype and and have people tune in like it's a pay-per-view fight to go watch them do comedy 100 percent. i uh i i'm grateful to have had a unique view leading up to the the special because i saw chris rock and kevin hart live at jones beach theater in long island new york last summer so i saw like a more raw version of the special that he just did live for Netflix and he didn't mention Will Smith. He, uh, people were expecting him to, but I saw some things online before that, where he was saying I had an hour before the slap. I was, I was working out an hour of material. So if you come to a show, I probably won't talk about Will Smith. And he, he said something like maybe slightly addressing that, or maybe it was someone who went to a live show that wrote a blog post. I forget. So it was almost a a quote from that video of his first show in Boston after the slap. It's like he said pretty much exactly what you said. So I think it was from that video. So I went to the show and the the, him not mentioning Will Smith, I I completely forgot about it because the show was so fucking good. And Kevin Hart came on after him and they both did an hour of material. And I remember thinking the fact that Chris Rock opened for Kevin Hart, but made Kevin Hart because he's going after Chris Rock. He made him seem, and this is going to sound like I'm being a like fucking asshole and grateful, whatever. But I was like, compared to what Chris Rock did, Kevin Hart seemed just okay. 
like still funny, but Chris Rock was just on another fucking level where you could tell he was building momentum from the slap. This is probably four or five months after July, August, something like that. And I remember yeah. thinking after the show, if you can make Kevin Hart seem still really funny, but not the full Kevin Hart because you just went on in front of him. Like you're opening for Kevin Hart and you're the electricity of the show. I was like, I can't fucking wait until this special comes out. And hopefully he talks about Will Smith. And then this is probably December. I think I think end of December of 2022. I had Derek Gaines on the podcast, who's a hilarious New York City stand-up comedian. He's worked with Pete Davidson, has a hilarious podcast called No Need for Apologies. And the night before we recorded the podcast, Chris Rock, he said Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle went on at the Comedy Cellar and were mm. talking about Will Smith. And in my head, I just thought, oh, he's saying things and, you know, this isn't part of the special. Maybe he's just getting on stage at the Comedy Cellar. Everyone's phones are locked up and he's just like ranting on Will Smith and just like talking yeah. shit. And then a lot of the things that he mentioned to me in the podcast ended up being included in the the rant that he did yeah. at the end so i was like holy shit like that's cool i mean i wish i was there at the the cellar that night to see him working out that yeah. last 10 minutes but having Derek gaines kind of secondhand tell me some of the topics he was talking about and then to see it on the special and then see him six months before do 50 50 minutes of that special uh working it out at jones beach theater like i i was just super grateful to have had that perspective leading up to it and then like the final pop of the netflix live special i i thought was incredible it was hilarious yeah. you you mentioned that you had known chris rock before that as the kind of chill madagascar doing movies chris rock which I think is hilarious because I'm 29, so I'm five years older than you. But I don't really think of that as a huge difference. But that five-year period allowed me to be, you know, 13, 14 years old seeing Chris Rock on HBO Late Night. And I'm going on HBO Late Night in my room trying to catch a, some softcore porn. And I see Chris, <laughs> I, I see a Chris Rock special on and maybe the channel is blocked. So I turned to Chris Rock. So I do remember seeing Chris Rock way before I should have doing his hbo specials and then that kind of got me to go back to him later when i became interested in stand-up comedy so it, it's yeah it's uh yeah the, i mean the whole special i can't understate how hilarious it was and it was cool to have that perspective leading up to it that is a, a great perspective and it, to be in that room in the comedy cellar when he was worked out that last 10 minutes with Chappelle. what a, oh my god that would have been insane but yeah, I mean, I knew who, obviously, Chris Rock was. Like, I just didn't... I, I had watched all this stuff on YouTube and stuff after when I was already older. And a lot of stuff, when you go back, if you don't watch it when you're trying to find porn, but you accidentally find it when you're 13, and then you're 13 when you watch it, and it's, like, of that time period, and it makes sense. When you go back and you watch stuff, like, I don't, even, like, Richard Pryor or, like, Sam Kinison, any of these guys who are so widely regarded as some of the best of all time even jerry seinfeld too or even or especially him it's like i i get why they were successful and why they were talked about in in their time but like going back on it it's not the same as today's sense of humor exactly some things just get lost in translation some things are just so cliche at this point that comedians don't even talk about them because they were talked about first 
back then. Like this was groundbreaking back then. This is this is what comedy was to them as it is to us now, which I I understand and respect. But if I would have seen guys like Chris Rock when I was eight years old, like that would have been ingrained in my brain. But going back and only seeing that on YouTube, it just gave me this perspective of like, okay, of course I know who Chris Rock is and I know how other comedians talk about him. And I know that he is one of the greatest of all time in this space. And, but I had, I had yet to seen anything for my own self, especially live like that, where it was like, oh, now I get it too. And like, now this is my uh, story on how I, connected to Chris Rock besides just like being a kid and he's in all these this kid stuff so that was the perspective I went in with but also just based on the slap you had that in your head you had the comedian's reaction to all of that in your head I mean the slap was one of the biggest things that's ever happened to my channel I had three videos that I posted of the comedians reacting to that that all got like three million views April of last year was one of my biggest months ever like the slap yeah. I, I I had all this stuff like I was excited for this special and the whole thing was good. Like people are just talking about what he said about Will and Jada, but the whole thing was really good comedy. He's talking about the relationships with men and women. He's talking about how women, you know, smart women and they can get divorced and like all that dynamic. He's talking about how, you know, his ex-wife, she has the same amount of money as him, but she's not funny at all. Like that was a hilarious joke. Like all these good things that, that led up to the Will Smith part at the end. And what I liked about it is a lot of criticism that he took during the slap is that he didn't say anything back. He didn't really fight back. He just moved on and he was professional. And everyone was like, oh, there was that moment where he was like, ah. and he, as a comedian, he could have just destroyed him. He could have roasted him. You know, the things in his head would have just been great for TV. And a lot of people, comedy fans like myself, people that were rooting for Chris Rock, just based on the fact that he's a comedian and that it was wrong for him to get assaulted for a joke. A, a lot of people wanted him to respond and do something in that moment. Now, nearly a year later, it, I am so glad that he didn't do that because I think this was the genius perspective, the right way to handle this. Wait for a year and let everyone else talk the base amount of shit because you, he didn't have to say things in the special that were just like obvious uh, jokes, maybe some points that I would have wanted to say if I was Chris Rock or things that like after you get slapped and embarrassed like that, you probably want people to know. He let the internet talk through all of that. Like he didn't have to mention, well, Will Smith was laughing until he looked over at Jada and then she made him go up there. He didn't have to mention so many of these like smaller things of like, well, why should a comedian have to, you know, if, if they wanted to host Oscars, you should be able to say whatever you want. It's just a joke. It wasn't even that harsh of a joke. All the stuff that the internet like bickered over threw at Will Smith that was more petty level humor that I myself would have been like, well, you got to write a joke about how you thought it was funny. And then, you know, all that stuff. He let the internet do that for him. Everyone else talked all that shit for him. So everyone else already understood that. Then he could go in and just do very high level concepts of like, he was selectively outraged at me because he knew that I was smaller and this and that. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said in the post show, like yeah. if he was on stage, he's definitely not coming up there. But he was able to like have a perspective of just the higher level stuff of like what's going on in between their relationship what's happened to will smith in his life what's happened to chris rock since then and he didn't have to spend any time on more of the uh like internet memes that you would have thought he would have made jokes about because that's what we've all been joking about but then that also made me realize the greatness of chris rock he's got this like wisdom and he's got this um and wisdom to navigate 
the comedy game or just like the entertainment world uh, to be like, I'm going to bite my tongue in the moment during the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to maybe anybody. Wait for a year. Nothing really leaks about that set, like at the comedy cellar or him working out all these jokes. No one really knows what to expect or what he's going to say about him. And then he's able to deliver this so funny and mm. so personal attack on him that doesn't get caught up with all of the petty little stuff of that drama. It's just the most hard hitting, funny facts of the matter. Yeah, to to me, that's what makes such a great comedy special and and makes Chris Rock one of the greats is that his his special, uh, he didn't go on any direct rants where he's trying to teach people something in the in terms of like moral, like I'm gonna teach you how to be a better person, which it feels like so much comedy can do nowadays. But he indirectly taught me a huge lesson. And I was thinking about this for, you know, just sitting there for 30 minutes after the special going like, holy fuck. And that was him spitting in the face of the whole mainstream media approach. And I, I've done this in the past as well with with my own solo podcast where you feel like you have to react as soon as something happens. And the sooner you get to that reaction the better it will be and if you miss if you miss the boat then it's not worth reacting to anymore like you need to be the first you need to be constantly tapped into the vein of pop culture and react to everything all the time and i've succumbed to that uh a few times where i'm just like i, I don't know why i'm commenting on this but like i am because it's getting a lot of clicks and like i guess i'll try to talk about it even though i don't really feel like it i'd rather talk about something else and then chris rock waits an entire year shows an incredible amount of restraint like you said nothing leaks you know he wasn't even telling jokes about it for a long time he then starts to talk about it i don't know where the first time he talked about it was but he at least was talking about it back in december of 2022 so for like a full two months he's working out that bit nothing leaks like doesn't go to the media if it's me someone slaps me in the face and 20 different news companies are offering me hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to be the first one that gets the official Chris Rock quote on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what happened. I guess that's also the good thing about being filthy fucking rich is that you're just like, <laughs> well, I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to sit on this and wait. But even if he wasn't, it, he'd still he still seems like the type of guy to sit on that and, and want to yeah. let it marinate because that's how great he is. But like he taught me that lesson indirectly with just like the incredible amount of restraint he showed and being able to sit on it the first month after that happened, I have to imagine he was having a huge battle in his head. Like, do I, do I say something? Do I not say something? Do I try to work this out? And at least from what we can tell, it seems like he sat on it for a while, let it marinate in his own head, probably wrote about it and then started to talk about it on stage later which led to a much better closer than what it would have been if he did this you know the oscars happened in february 22 if he came out in march 2022 a lot of people still would have watched it and saw him do you know 15 minutes on the the chris rock slap or the the will yeah. smith slap but there's no way it would have been as good because he doesn't have time to reflect he has all these people in his face asking him to react he, he's like when he when you're the height of the news cycle i imagine it's really hard to have a, a pedestrian perspective where you're like coming at it from what would the average person think about that and he did it really yeah. fucking well and i 
related. Like it's 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 so amazing how good he is that he's making something feel relatable when he's the host of the fucking Oscars <laughs> being slapped yeah. by the biggest fucking movie star in the world. And he's talking about it and making you feel like this could have just been a, a street fight or an altercation in the bar. And he's like pulling you in and just saying like, this is how I felt. This is what happened before. You don't, you don't feel like he's some celebrity in an ivory tower dealing with problems that you're not dealing with, even though he could easily be if he wanted to, but that's just a that's testament. So that's just a testament to how good his comedy is that he, he got slapped in a fucking $10,000 tuxedo at the biggest award show on the planet by the biggest actor on the planet. And he's like, let me tell you what happened, just like sitting on a yeah. stoop telling a story. And it wouldn't have been good if it was in March after it happened, because it was still the, the whole news cycle was about the thing actually happening. Like, then you just add that on top of it. Some people are still just starting to figure out the whole story of what happened. Some people are still hearing the news. Some, it, it, then you just add that on top of it. It wouldn't have made sense. It would have just been overflow. It would have just drowned us in this story. But a year later seemed... Almost just like perfect. It timed up beautifully. It was like we we hadn't forgot about it because it was such a crazy thing that happened to where people, everyone knows about it still, but not too much time has passed. It was just, uh, it wouldn't have been good if he did it any earlier. And he, I think he could have gone later, but this almost seemed like the perfect time. The Oscars are going to be again next week. And it did seem relatable. He even said at one point in the special, he was like, I'm rich, but I identify as poor. And I got to laugh. And and then he could go on the rest of the time because he's talking about stories about being like, I don't know, uh, any story that he has. And in your head, if it's him trying to relate to the common man, in your head, you're already like, but you are Chris Rock. So yeah. I guess I'll pretend I'll hear you out. Like you're, you almost feel like you're going along with it. I, a lot of comedians that are like that, that level, whenever they're trying to tell a joke about like, yeah, I was at the grocery store and you know, now it's $2 for a plastic bag. Like, isn't that ridiculous? And you're always like, but you, but we know how successful you are. Like this doesn't, yeah. You haven't went grocery feel... shopping in 10 years. It's like, you know, yeah. 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 It's like, I guess I'll go along with it, but okay. With Chris, he was saying stuff throughout that special which I don't even I don't even know how he did. He's just a master of the craft. But he always made you feel like you said that you're along this journey with him and that he is just as relatable as you. And especially to us, too. Half of the Chris Rock special is about being black. It's a lot of themes like that. Me and you are sitting here talking about how amazing it was, how it blew our minds and like have no relation to that whole world. But he was still able to make us feel like we know kind of what's going on. Yeah. After the special, uh, after the special, I was like, can I say the N word now? Like I feel so, <laughs> I feel so relatable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm gonna, I, my first solo podcast, I was just like screaming the N word. Um, but that's, that's how good he is. Um, but yeah, no, you're, you're, you're completely right. He, by acknowledging how rich and successful he is, what everyone knows, he kind of pierced the veil of the elephant in the room. Like, how do I how do we relate to someone who's just on a whole another level? And by acknowledging it, I feel like you dissipate that quickly where you're not afraid to say, yeah, I'm at a different level in my life now, but I wasn't always. And someone else who does that really well is Ricky Gervais, because he'll talk about how rich he is on stage all the time. He, he does it when he's hosting the Golden Globes. He does it in his own specials. He had he had one thing where he was trying to prove how relatable he was to the audience and 
he talks about a, a, I'll butcher the joke, but he talks about a journalist saying to him, how can you be, how can you relate to audiences when you're so rich now? And Ricky Gervais says, what do you mean? I still relate to, to people. I still buy milk. I still go grocery shopping. And the journalist is like, how much is a, how much is a gallon of milk? And Ricky Gervais says, I don't know, but here's, here's a grand. Is that enough? Like, go fetch me, (laughs) go fetch me a a gallon of milk. So like doing things like that, where you don't pretend like things are different than they are and just leaning into it. That is what I enjoy from specials. Like what Chris Rock just did, where he's, he's totally leaning in and he's totally pulling you in and making you feel like that could happen to you, even though it's never going to fall. Like I've never in my life, am I going to be in a situation like that? But I felt like I could be. And it's, it doesn't even have to, they don't even have to pull themselves like down to the audience's level or whatever. They don't even have to pretend like it. It's not what it is. Like, I feel like some people will do a good job of this, but they'll want to pretend like, Oh, Oh, you know, you might think I'm rich in this and that, but I got to, I got to pay for, you know, I got a wife and you know how they, or whatever. They can say something, but make it seem like they're still, they, they can make it seem like being rich and all that. They're not all that. Like they're trying to cover it. They're trying to deny it. They're like, no, it's not actually what you think. But then some people like Ricky Gervais will be like, no, it is what you think. And that's it. And that's just funnier. But just addressing it in general, just being like, I'm rich as fuck. And then pausing, and then the audience probably laugh because that was such a long pause. They think you're about to say something else, and then they laugh, and then you keep going on. Like, just addressing it, even if you're not uh, neutralizing, which I feel like a lot of people like to address it in a neutralizing way, being like, no, we're on the same level. Even these guys being like, we're not on the same level, but I'm just going to say that out loud so we can continue on, we'll get a big laugh most of the time. Yeah. And it's important to do for the show, or else you're like, this is just weird. Like, why... I. Like, imagine just talking, like, listening to Joe Rogan do a set about, like, driving your kids to school. And it's like, do you do you do that? Like, I'm imagining you in this, like, crazy muscle car and pulling up and paparazzi and, and other parents, like, trying to, like, hey, Joe, can I have a second? Like, I got this uh, business idea for you. Or, like, I should be on your podcast. I have a good story. Like, do yeah. you, like, I have this whole image that immediately goes in my head of him trying to drop off a kid at a school that I'm like, what? Like, you do you do that or don't tell a joke about that if you do or if you are say oh i'm dropping my kid off at school or not me but my bodyguard and he told me this or like say just say something that makes it like we know who you are that's the thing you're not just a random open micer anymore where you can go to a club and just say a joke about any topic and you're just a uh, faceless nameless human being where it's like this is their experience and they're going to try to make me laugh about it and put some humor into this story we know who you are. We we follow your podcasts. We know intimate things about your 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 life, and and we're happy with your successes. We root them on, or even if we're not, everyone knows you have a hundred million dollars from Spotify. Or in, in this example, or in the other examples, everyone knows this, that, or whatever. You can't tell Dave Chappelle. Well, that's interesting though, because he still lives on a farm, but he's worth all the money in the world. I don't know. It is. It is weird. I did hear that that his community in Dayton, where he lives for Chappelle, they let him just like be a normal ass. Like they're very respectful of his life. Like he gets to still go to the grocery store in Yellow Springs and all this stuff. And that's why he likes living on a farm in in Dayton, because they uh, they all allow him to just be himself. Yeah. And no one is trying. It's like a, a secret society almost. Yeah, I guess if Leo DiCaprio lives in your town, 
after the first three times you see him grocery shopping, he's just this guy that also buys yeah. eggs in the same store as you. So you can only yeah. freak out so many times that yeah that and, and joe rogan's an interesting case too because he talks about on his podcast how he feels like he can walk around and move through austin and even he was saying similar things back when he was in la where he doesn't have to walk around with security he can just go and eat somewhere and people will generally be fine with him or leave him alone or some combination whatever people are doing to him because i have no idea but that makes him feel like he doesn't need security which is hard to believe but i mean maybe podcasting is just a different type of fame where because you know so much about someone they're not as mysterious and so you feel yeah. like you feel like they're more of a human being than someone like leo dicaprio where everything is mysterious yeah, and he's done true. like two interviews so who knows i i have no idea something maybe it's because rogan can break someone's neck if they go to, that's like, true i mean yeah <laughs> I, I i knew if someone could you know send me to the gates of heaven within 30 seconds of meeting me that would <laughs> definitely alter my actions in the yeah. moment something that just occurred to me i i don't know if if you've thought about uh, you know, doing something like this, or if there are other, if you've seen other things along this line, but talking about live comedy specials, like with Chris Rock, a way that people experience live events, like if something's a UFC fight, but people don't have tickets to the fight or they're in a different city, bars will buy the, the UFC fight and then have people come for the fight and then put the fight on every single TV. So it's known that you're going to come to this bar and watch the fight. If you rented out a bar like a, a joke world, joke world presents the, you know, selective outrage live like yeah. and had every single TV was Chris Rock and people could show up to Holy drink shit. to drink watching a live comedy special because because Chris Rock did it more comedians of 100% are going to do it. So that that would be fucking awesome if you could watch a comedy special live like a UFC fight and you're just around yeah. a bunch of comedy fans just drinking and shooting the shit and you know like when you come to this bar every single TV is going to have the special on. I I'm I'm seriously going to write that I have a notebook where I have the, a bunch of ideas. I'm going to write that down after this. I That would be awesome, dude. That idea. I that that makes so much sense cuz I've been thinking for a while, I've, I haven't really started the to get the ball rolling, but I have plans to start. I want to do some sort of uh, live stream off the channel where uh, where I'm putting on my own mic night at like any sort of local comedy club and then get a showcase with some of these uh, local guys, maybe eight or ten of just like lesser known comedians. Guys are still in whatever city they're in right now. I'm in Tampa and they're just in this environment, but we have a good comedy scene here. And I feel like since I'm here, I'm trying to become a, you know, the premier uh, comedy media source. I want it to be known. And I don't think I'll be in Tampa forever. Eventually, I'll probably go to one of the major comedy hubs. But I would like it to be known that it's I started here. Joke World started here. This this brand, just like how if ESPN started in 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 Tampa, I think by the time they left the the sports fans and teams and things there would have some sort of footprint that, oh, yeah, this used to be here. So I want to start trying to make my mark on where I've been more, especially because I am like a huge Rogan fan, probably one of my biggest inspirations. And all he preaches is this generosity with the platform and with all that stuff. So 
I want to start being able to shine more light on these local comedians, these guys that are doing a really good job, just kind of grinding young, getting their name out there. And I think if I could set up, find comedy clubs to set up a bar, um, a live stream open mic or a showcase where I'm finding eight to 10 guys that I know are going to do a really good job. I'm getting them up on stage and then I'm streaming it live to these 200,000 200, uh. subscribers. Uh, and I could even um do do tours like that too like i i'm follow i follow a lot of um hooper youtubers where they'll go city mm. to city and just like play one-on-one against people or set up runs like that and i've been trying to think of how i can emulate what they do with my channel and i think if i could just do city to city setting up live stream uh stand-up showcases that get streamed to a ton of people on youtube so like there's a lot of value there to the comedian. There's value there to the subscribers because I'm like, these are gonna, this is gonna be a good show. These are gonna be people that you've never heard of, but that you should know about, and it's gonna be funny. And I've done stand up enough to where I could host the show, so it, it, they know kind of what's going on. If you watch the comedy news update, you'll be like, all right, that's the same guy that's bringing these yeah. guys back and forth. But if I am in a, a city like Austin or something, I could also try to reach out and get a guest host. You know, one of these people like, hey. I don't know, David Lucas, would you, would you host the live stream yeah. showcase? And then I'm not involved at all. And then this could, then I could start setting up joke world streams all around the world happening at the same time. I want to get into the live stream event somehow to be able to use these comedy fans and help up and coming comedians at the same time. Um, but doing it, like you said, like at a bar, because obviously I've been to a UFC fight at a bar before where everyone's there for that reason and the volume's on full blast, there's no music going on, maybe during like commercials or whatever. It's like, that sounds fucking dope. If that was everyone watching Chris Rock special yeah. and we're all drinking and laughing at the punchlines, like that sounds amazing. Yeah, dude, that, that was the, the only thing that wasn't a hundred percent positive in my head watching the special. I thought I wish I was surrounded by other people to have a semi live experience, but still watching it on Netflix. And dude, I, I would 100% show up to that and pay a cover and sit down and, you know, who wouldn't want to go get fucked up and watch something surrounded by other people who are also fans, yeah. fans of the same person, just like a UFC fight or a football game where you just rent out the bar. And I, th I think the live shows are are genius too, because like you said, you have 200,000 people on YouTube. You can definitely, you can get a shit ton of comics who are either established or working their way up and have them do sets and say, hey, instead of the 15 people that are at these mics that you go to, do you want to perform in front of 200,000 and, and however yeah. many people tune in and that that would be awesome i i feel like th that could be something that would change the game like having these live stream sets and getting an insight into like having the feel of being able to go to a show without necessarily having to go to a show i love going to comedy yeah. shows i love being in the audience and, and there, there's nothing like it but also like it, it is a you can't go to a comedy show every night that you feel like watching stand up. It's a big commitment. You right. have you have the cover, you have the two drink minimum. You, you know, maybe you could end up dropping close to a hundred bucks if you go with someone. So it is worth it, and it it, it it can be a really good time. But there are also nights where you might just want to open your laptop or Google Play something on your TV and watch someone do a set yeah. and just drink in your house or have some buddies over or watch by yourself. I, I think that's a, a really cool idea. Well, I just I'm just trying to make come up with ideas now of like how I can really 
change the game, like you said, or at least put some sort of uh, footprint onto the game because the, the comedy news in itself and reporting on comedy is, is the base level what I want to do and, and become successful at and with in this environment. But on a much larger scale, I would want Joke World to be, when you think of comedy, you think of Joke World in together. Just like when you think of sports, you think of ESPN and SportsCenter mm. and Bleacher Report. Like I want it to be a part of that. I want to really be able to touch this thing and and get into the comedy inner workings and but be but not for myself or not because this is something that i love which it is and something that i've always wanted to be a part of which it is but for how i felt before i started this as just a fan and and someone who was doing stand-up too a place for just people that love this shit to all gather around and be able to talk about all of their comedians at once or if they're interested in doing stand-up themselves they can get advice helpful good advice from the best people doing this about where they can go, what they should do, what they shouldn't be doing, and what they should be doing. If they're a fan of it, they could say, oh, I like Bobby Lee, and I like Theo Vaughn, but I also like Shane Gillis. And usually, you know, they'll go on each other's podcasts maybe once or twice a year, then I can comment with those type of crossover fans for, you know, that that hour and a half. But now I have this big the hub, this, this portal of comedy fans, a comedy community that all like the same type of senses of humor, too. It's not like uh, Comedy Central, where they're just trying to pay comedians to tape 15 minute specials on there and it's just any random person then they'll put them out and none of the humor matches up with one another this is all like-minded comedy fans who love the same amount of people who have a respect for these these guys and who just want the best for them and want to continue watching their careers grow and even if they don't want the best from they want to know what's going on with them like we said we've talked about sports a lot in this podcast it, it is it, it is exactly comparable to to sports uh with this and so i just want to be able to make something that can change the game for comedy for comedy fans and for comedians are coming up like i said when i was trying to figure out how do you even do this thing where can i get information about this or where can i uh from where, where can i like elevate my career without having to get on the joe rogan experience or your mom's house one of these big podcasts like where what's an attainable uh podcast or channel or media page for an open micer to get on our instagram try to post good clips of those kind of people to, to 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 boost them up too but these live events going around the country finding the best local people in all of these city scenes and being like here is a live stream that's going to give you the biggest audience that you've ever had live uh it, it would be able it's it's a it's a cool thing and it's something that would be it's been one of my goals to be able to help more comedy reach more people i guess yeah man i mean you're doing it i followed you when you had a few thousand subscribers on on youtube and now you're up to 200k it's 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 fucking incredible what you're doing and, and the more that we talk about sports and sports analogies between comedy and things like football baseball basketball the more things keep popping into my head like netflix had the after show with dave spade and uh uh, Dana Carvey, Arsenio Hall, mm -hmm. J.B. Smooth. But like, how funny would it be if Chris Rock had a post-set press conference and like there was like yeah. the Joke World press conference where like you sat yeah. down with Chris Rock and you're just like, how do you think that went? Like, you know, people are people are saying that you're not the best. Like, what? Like, what do you like? Do you want to call anyone out? Yeah. Like shit like that, or just like, just like and he's got a towel. On yeah, his, ex on exactly. Neck, or yeah. just like beat reporters 
in the green room talking to comedians before and after their set like how do you you know what do, what do yeah. you uh what are you going to do up there like all all different things that that apply to to sports or just like this has all been stuff that's in been in my head before like yeah. everything you just said i've wanted to do so badly before like i could just imagine a panel and chris rock sitting up there and it's like the the small joke world logos behind him on the yeah. white canvas and he's just answering questions in the camera shutter like like a sports i would love like i would love that 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 would be hilarious i tried to get uh because the tom segura and the erie pennsylvania weatherman like one-on-one basketball game Mm. went on the other week and i was i obviously they kept their cards close to the chest they didn't say when it was filming until it was too late and stuff which why wouldn't they i mean they're just making their own content but i was like i said it in a comment just as a joke i knew it wasn't going to come up anything but i was like i would kill to be there doing post-game interviews like let me just stand on the side of the gym i'll wear a full suit with a little microphone and i'll just talk to both these guys like a sports reporter because that one was more specific because they were literally doing sports so it would have been even funnier because you could conceptualize it so well because they were playing basketball and i was like let me just get these post-game interviews it's a rivalry it's there's a bet going on so yeah stuff like that i mean I'm also trying to, to build out a team here right now. I'm, I'm still doing this by myself and I'm really starting to feel the uh, consequences from that. And there's a lot of stuff where, like you said, you, we talked about it earlier more in a negative way of having to react right away and how smart it was for Chris Rock to, to hold on to all this stuff. But I already feel like there's a lot of stuff I'm really behind on that. I, I want the comedy community i want all these comedy fans who have trusted me to be their source for news to get the best experience possible and to get all of the news possible and i want to fulfill their what their expectations and exceed them so there's always videos that i want to make that i don't just have time to do because i'm just making every reel every post every edit still script idea just by myself so i'm trying to get a team going i would like you know to have multiple shows for the news going on i'd like to have multiple reporters under the joke world umbrella comedians as joke world sponsored comedians like yeah. barstool has their athletes stuff like like that. having the joke I mean, world there's... patch on their pants like fighters have yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 or even just like walking out to the thing they could have on the the joke world club yeah and just take that off at the there's i don't know there's just so much i want to do and a lot of it starts with hiring editors and and team members and writers i want them to be uh you know either former or current comedians who like just know what's going on who get the space who who you know there's editors i could hire an editor there's a ton of people who've been like i'll be your editor but i don't want someone that just works on my channel one day then a cooking show the next day like you need to know what's going on with these comedians and what's going on in this world so you can zoom in on their face when it's an awkward comment and like the edits i want are so specific it's just been hard to to pass on that responsibility to people too because this is like it's a big thing and i and i haven't had anyone come in and help me yet but i i really do i need the help i there's so much stuff i want to do and there's so i want to take this brand so far and expand it to where it's like you can't think of comedy without thinking of joke world i know i can't do that by myself so it's going to be a long process and i think that's going to be the next uh big step for me and I want to do that soon. It's just like, how do you, how yeah. do, you do that, dude? Like, yeah, I, don't know. I mean, that's that's amazing that 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 vision that you have. I also I wouldn't underestimate the power of what you're already doing because I'm subscribed to your channel 
And I also check in before you post videos just to see if maybe you drop something and I didn't get notified. So with you putting out the weekly news and then also the, you know, try not to laugh, Chris Stefano or Tom Segura, like the best of Bobby Lee, I am left wanting more. So I'm going to your channel to try to see if there's more and I missed it. I'm like, oh shit, like maybe tomorrow. And that it doesn't make me feel bad in any way when there's not a new video. So I, I don't know if that's been something you've been thinking about where like you're not putting in, out enough videos or content or things like that. But I, I feel like I'm it, it, you're in a good position because you leave people wanting more. And you, they keep wanting to to go back to the channel and see the next compilation or, you know, best of podcast, whatever that you do. Well, that makes me feel definitely better. I was just like, I don't want there to be any comedy information out there where you can find it from any other source but myself, if that mm. makes sense. Like, if it's not even like I'm worried that I'm not posting enough and like not satisfying people that way. I just don't want um, like the worst thing that happens is when there's a big news in comedy that happens on a Tuesday or Wednesday and I just posted the comedy news then there's a bunch of other videos coming out about that thing and i'm like well they've already learned about it i they're not going to care about my video about it or it's like it's going to be a week away kind of like how we're talking about you have this pressure in your head where you feel like you need to be on on it all the time i sometimes feel like if something really big happens in the comedy world i just want joke world to be the only place that people go look and see and find stuff and i want there to be that information for them there when they go so sometimes it's like oh f like sometimes i'll just throw in the community section just so i have s proof that i know about it almost you know what i mean like in, in a competition sense i i want to be the best news source for for the comedy fans and in just a literal sense like i want the a video about the topics while they're happening just because i don't know just trying yeah. to do a well, good job you could always you could always hire william montgomery to kill off the other comedian youtubers that are reporting in the space because <laughs> he definitely talks a lot about how he goes to different cities and just loves murdering other people yeah, so that's true that's the always an option strangler. you're both in the same space you could always reach out to him and be like hey this other guy in San Antonio is reporting something before me. Do you mind just <laughs> do you mind just strangling this guy next yeah. time you're doing a set there? And he'd probably Honestly, be like, Yeah, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be like, Maybe next time I already have a victim line. Yeah, he's like, I've, I've already yeah. killed way too many this week. I'm I'm trying yeah. to lay low. I I wanted to as we start to end off, I, I wanted to I, I don't even know what the the exact question would be surrounding this, but I wanted to just talk about Kill Tony because right now in terms of comedy shows and just we were also talking about live performances, live streaming with the Chris Rock special. To me, Kill Tony is such a unique and can't miss opportunity when I'm tuning into the shows every week and having been a fan for a few years and then going back on red band's website and then watching literally the first episode of kill tony and thinking holy shit you know that show has turned into what it is now and then going back through the early episodes and kind of looking at how the show's changed what 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 have been your your thoughts on kill tony and and that whole 
uh, Kill Tony universe and just watching it absolutely explode the last couple of years. I think Kill Tony is one of the most uh, important shows. One for me as a comedy fan, like getting into comedy and getting this channel started in the first place, like coming into comedy, growing up, seeing that when I was younger in college, um, one, which I'll talk about, and then two, just for comedians and, and for the sake of them, Rogan says it all the time, but it's the most important show that comedy has to offer. Like, so in co- like college, when I was telling you getting on stage and, and writing jokes, but kind of being lost in how you do this whole comedian thing, Kill Tony was one of my saving graces. It was one of the things I liked to listen to the most. And it's definitely better to watch it for sure with your friends and, 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 and get a group, which we would do in college. I had my buddies come over and we would every Monday put it on our TV and we'd just watch it. We'd get fucked up. We'd laugh and we would love it. And we'd have the band, we'd have the inside jokes about all of them back when Jeremiah and, and all of them were, uh, yeah. doing it in Los Angeles. And, uh, it, it, it was, I loved it because these were amateur comedians, which is what I was. And I was like, I could one, get on the show Two, I'm way better than a lot of these people. So that made me feel better because you get to see like some actual crazy people. And then three, you get to see some really good, talented people that aren't known impress this panel of comedians and genuinely like get inspiration and hope. And we've seen some of these people who were Kill Tony, uh, former Kill Tony people blossom into legitimate comics like Ali McCosfee used to be on there Hans Kim obviously the current regulars but like there's people who have got their 60 seconds pulled out of a hat before and gone on to have very successful careers in comedy but regardless of that just as a comedy fan what could be better than your uh, Tony Hinchcliffe who's a great comedian has his own fans bringing in a bunch of other comedians very funny people like Rogan or Theo or Tom or Ron White or whoever's on there to go sit with them and then have these Open micers who a common gripe in the open mic world is like, you don't get enough chances. Like there's not enough eyes on you. How are you ever going to, you know, be able to get people to watch Mm. your stuff? Like it's just a, it's a culture of complaining kind of, and just like not a lot of hope. This gives, that changes all of that. It's literally the exact opposite. It forces you to put your money where your mouth is. You get to not only broadcast to all of these fans, like is what we were talking about before, potentially with uh, our channel, but also you're getting to talk to these comedians after for 10, 15 minutes, you're getting to get really good advice. Like, Hey, Tom Scorch saying, Hey, don't say that you're joking afterwards or you're bombing and you're, you're getting to, there's so many times where people bomb and then have a funny conversation. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this went way, back. like you almost forget that they bombed and it, it, it I don't know. I just think it's the most helpful um, tool that comedy has to offer. And it's just one of those shows where after being around for this long, you're almost like, I can't believe no one had thought of this before. Everyone comes up, does a minute of stand up, and then leaves. It's, it's beautiful. But there's also so many people that would have taken that idea and completely crushed it in a bad way. Tony's crushing it in a good way. Like that is, he's so, he's the perfect comedian to be hosting that he's so quick off the top of his feet he's very educated he knows stuff about every sort of culture or person to make specific references that will make them laugh and he's not afraid to keep it raw comedy 
unfiltered edgy like how kill tony is like like that's one of the biggest parts about it is that it's a wild party he'll have people make it out on stage he'll he'll call people's girlfriends up he'll have the drum off he'll do whatever literally whatever he wants he'll pull out another bucket if the crowd convinces him to keep keep doing names like there's so many people that could have had that idea and completely fucked it up and kill tony is the number one live comedy podcast in the world for a reason and i assume it will be for years and years and years to come it is so important to comedy so important to young comedians to old comedians get to go on there you know ron white is famous and is a comedy hall of famer but he gets to go on kill tony now and people get to see him more on Kill Tony than they've seen him do anything the past 10 years. Like yeah. Ron White doesn't go on many podcasts. He doesn't go on many interviews, but he does go on Kill Tony fairly often. And he sits there and he talks about actually comedy, doing comedy, stuff that you want to hear him talk about. Not like, so like, how's the weather today it, treating you uh, in, in Austin? Or, oh, you're on tour in, in Minnesota. Oh, you must be real cold up there, Ron. Like, or he's trying to plug his tequila or he's trying to do it to plug a show or something. And it's like, oh, thanks for coming in today. Anything to say after? No, this is him talking about comedy. The thing that he knows best, he's an expert, he's a master at, and he's either trying to help people get better at it or tell people they should never do it again, which is equally as funny. Yeah, and and hear him talk about how these shrooms are coming on and, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. just about to get wild <laughs> yeah but he can tony can get guests that don't like do that much other stuff he got roseanne on last night mm. and or what's today wednesday two nights ago and like she's she might go on a big press run maybe because she's come out with a special after this who knows but i feel like he's he's so respected by other comedians he's able to get these people to come do this show because they don't want to sit and do an interview that's all about them for an hour and a half but they will sit and, and just watch people do stand-up and then have a conversation about random shit or comedy for seven minutes and then they get to move on. They don't always have to talk. They're in front of a live audience so it feels better. And it is it is not all about them and it's not a promotion. So it's he has the ability to get these guests that uh, other people I don't think can get and just always executes with, with them just really well. And I'm very excited to see what him and the comedy mothership are going to get to come up with, Rogan's Club. Yeah, because that's gonna be cool. I just I just saw I think I think it was from your post where the Kill Tony is gonna do two shows a week at the one at the Comedy Mothership now and one at uh fuck I forget the name of that other place Vulcan Vul yeah yeah so that that'll be awesome just to have multiple shows per week and also the it, one of the things that I remind myself of watching Kill Tony is how good tony is because you kind of forget because he's a constant in the show every week mm -hmm. and he's so fucking automatic and so quick yeah. with responses that you, it, you just expect him to be on for two hours when he does the show no matter who comes up to the stage what they're wearing whether you know david lucas is roasting him for 10 minutes straight or someone is just completely bombing and he has to kind of bring the energy back and he's just going yeah. back and like that is such a special skill and i've i've because i've uh taken deep dives into the reddit and other forums i've seen people say things along the lines of kill tony is a show that runs itself you could have anyone up there and just have comics come up for a minute and it would be the same thing and the first thing that enters my head is that's such a fucking stupid take because yeah you've been spoiled by 
Tony Hinchcliffe's hosting because he he is so automatic and it does seem so pedestrian because he's just talking and reacting that you forget that this dude is a fucking ruthless, hilarious comedian yeah. been doing it for 15, 16 years at this point. And because the show is not about him, it's named after him, but it's not about him. You forget how he's kind of the glue that holds everything together in the moment when shit could easily go off the rails if it was hosted by someone of a less comedic capacity. Dude, they should have no hate to Red Band, but they should have him host it one one episode and just see how different <laughs> it is. Because like, like we, Tony's so taken for granted. You're right, and I don't even necessarily think it's like what we were talking about before. People saying Drake's not a rapper. I don't think it's like the success part as much that people are discrediting tony i think it is literally just like he does so many episodes he makes it seem so effortless and he's so consistent that it, you just think that that is natural for the show and that if you just put these ingredients together for a show that it would always run this smoothly but just take away the really really funny smart witty quick no hesitation jokes that he's able to pull off for any situation, any comic, any race, race, ethnicity, whatever. Take away all the humor part of that that he's so good at. Just the ability to keep the show running with all of these psycho people coming up onto the show and the cast of characters he has behind him. And there's a band playing and he's got the red band doing audio and he's got a whole room of 200 people like with expectations yeah. and, and with mouths and hands they can make noise with and and there's people coming up he's pulling like just logistically running that show not trying to make jokes sounds so fucking hard yeah I, it's impressive it's so impressive having literal literally psychos psychotic drifters sometimes just sign up for the bucket they're just making their way through the country and yeah they just get fucked up and put their name in and and they get pulled up on yeah. stage, which has happened more than a few times. Like to- so many times, dude. There was the one time the guy went up and he all he said was for the whole minute was like he just went on a rant, being like, "I'm gonna be the greatest comedian of all time." I'm, and he just kept saying that over <laughs> and over. He just said that for about a minute. I think he actually got the the Mad Hollywood Bear to growl at. Like he's he went over the the time, just saying that's all he said. And then they tried to talk to him because he was obviously it was like what's going on and that's all he would say and then he was they were like all right well you're clearly that's the other thing if i was hosting that show i would kind of think it'd be funny to get into the weeds a little bit with a crazy psycho person but tony's so good at being like all right let's keep this moving get him off the stage because this is just gonna go nowhere some of the times where he tells people to leave i was like I would have talked to them for for a while and it probably would have stalled out if I like he does in earlier episodes. If you go back on the the Death Squad website, I've been kind of alternating, like watching a recent Kill Tony and then I'll go back and just listen to the audio of early episodes. There are times where a crazy person will go on stage and he'll talk to them for a longer time than he does now. And then he'll say something after, like, yeah, that was fucking, that killed the momentum of the show. That guy was, yeah. fuck yeah, I should have kicked him off uh, sooner. So it's come from all these repetitions of literally having thousands of people come onto the stage. And he probably can sense before the person even says a word, I'm going to talk to this person for 10 minutes. I'm going to talk to, this, I'm going to get this person off the stage as quickly as possible without making a thing yeah. about it. So it, it, it's cool. It, it's, it's really cool to watch. 
I agree. I um I, and I loved that whole world for so long. Like I said, it was one of the things that got me into comedy in the first place and inspired me to to do it and was able to you can look at the other level of competition, which is like I was joking before being like, oh, the people that stunk made me more inspired to do comedy because I was like, well, I know I'm better than them. But it's a little true. It's like you would think, you know, this is everyone's best 60 seconds that they got because they're on Kill Tony. And then you get to see the level of competition. And sometimes it's really good and it's inspiring. Sometimes it's really bad and it's inspiring. And then sometimes it's just fun to watch as a comedy fan. But I feel like I watch most things with like a, a perspective of of me in the comedy shoe in their shoes or like yeah. in, I, I don't know i it's a, it's a great show and and yeah i just i love all their characters or cast of characters that they've had i got to talk to hans kim and yeah Austin yeah last I saw year. that that was that was really cool to get to meet him and stuff because i'm a big fan of the show but i think that was like the second interview i i had done with a real comedian at that point and it was just i wish i could get that interview back i don't think i was as prepared as i wanted to be or established but that's just how time works i mean where are you i mean i'm sure hans kim will be happy to go on a channel that has you know two hundred thousand <laughs> fucking true. followers on it i don't i don't think you'll have a hard time uh getting him to to come on two times or you know 10 times over the course of a few years i i wanted to ask you so do you still do stand-up personally or did you stop once the the pandemic started and kind of it faded away after that well so i i did it i started in college and then i graduated in 2020 so i stopped obviously when you just couldn't do it anymore and then that's when i started like making this channel and editing videos and and trying to make more of a uh, a media source for for that and i never wanted to i am i am not in the business of creating a comedy sports center and then at the very end being like and here's my stand-up and like i got you guys now to watch like that's not at all what i'm doing i don't have any of my own stand-up on anywhere near this channel i mean so so I do now. So anyway, I started posting on you joke world during the pandemic and stuff, and there were just no shows. And then when they started opening back up again, I went to like a mic a week in Cleveland before I moved here. And then I moved to Tampa about a year and a half ago or two years almost at this point. And I obviously lost all of my um, comedy connections to where like shows are Facebook groups, all that kind of stuff. So I've slowly been, putting it together. I interview some comedians here in, um, in Tampa occasionally just for like practice and, and, and just having podcasts with funny people. Um, so I, I, I'm not, I'm not calling myself a comedian, but I've probably, probably do stand up once every like f four months. It's, it's pathetic, but I really love it. And I just, nowadays it's like, okay, they're always, they're at eight, nine, 10 PM at night. And they're during weekdays. And I'm always either just finishing or getting down to the wire of uploading and finishing a video that I know is going to be seen by hundreds of thousands of people. They're going to really enjoy it. I'm going to get all the dopamine in my head of watching this number track and reading all the comments. So I could either stop doing that and do that less to go talk to 15 people about just the weird things that I think, which I love to do at an open mic, or I could keep working on this video. And, and I feel like joke worlds kind of stole all of my creative energy into being like run this channel by yourself and and try to do that to where if i'm ever done at thursday at 10 p.m and i'm like oh shit the improv open mic starts in 10 minutes 
it's just not what I want to do, even though I know this is what it's weird because it sounds like this is just a big excuse because stand up's a lot scarier than making a compilation. But I know that I'm I'm I know I have five minutes that I could go to most stages across the country and do decent to oh, that was a little better than mediocre, something like that. Like I wouldn't embarrass myself and it goes well. So that's why it's fun for me to do it because I know it's kind of going to, it's just going to be fun. Every, like, But I'm not trying anything hard. I'm hardly ever saying anything new. I mean, this five minutes has been worked out for like three years now. So it's kind of a p- pathetic life of a comedian, not a comedian who's just not trying any new jokes and is just going on stage when he has free time every three or four months just to get a bunch of fucking dopamine and to be and talk to the guys and be able to relate to comedians when I'm interviewing them because I I have been in in on stage and in their shoes and written jokes and and try to navigate open mics and all that kind of stuff so I feel like um I can still use my sense of humor from when I was pursuing this with everything to to be able to host these videos and and run this channel and I also don't want to use this channel to uh, to boost up my own standup because that's not really fair. I just want this to be exactly what it is, a media source for comedians. And then also just I don't have uh, the time to um, to be going and doing that and then also making this as, as big as I want it to be. And then the reward system is just so different. Like it's like you get actual views, money, attention, or you get to go to a coffee shop where no one is there's two people yeah. in there and they're insane. So that was a very long answer to say, I guess not, but like it, I would, I'm on stage probably once every four months and it's fun. It's really fun. I mean, that, that, and I want to do it more when I hire some people. Yeah. But. That makes sense. I mean, you're, you have the quote unquote on field experience of being a stand up comedian, like a lot of sports reporters do. So you're able to relate to comedians and, know the types of emotions that run through you before during and after a set and you know you're doing an incredible job with the with the channel the the only question is if you went to kill tony down in texas and went to a live show would you put your name in the bucket i would i've thought about this a million times million trillion times actually and i definitely would and i think i would i think i would do well i the nerves would be so big not only because i'm a kill tony fan if i was just a random person doing kill tony the nerves would be so big obviously for anybody but i just i just think that i just make stuff up i'm a big overthinker and so i would just be so concerned walking up there that whoever's on the panel and tony and reb and all these people have preconceived notions of me and my channel even though they've probably never heard of them maybe and i'd get up there and and i would do whatever or maybe i'm too nervous and it doesn't go well and then all the people watching that channel would be like this is the guy that wants to report about comedy look at look at this 60 seconds and then so it would really be like a putting my balls on the table kind of moment which i'm here for i think i would do well in the enough I'm not going to, I'm not crushing, but I would do well enough to where people would be like, I'll still, yeah, he can talk about comedy to me. I respect that in that 60 seconds. But then I've just overthought every made up conversation in my head about Tony, just like roasting my channel or the idea of it, which would really be sad because I, I think I'm doing something uh, supportive. Of oh, you are, you are for sure. So I, like, I don't think he would roast it or if he did, it, it would be exactly that. It would just be 
a funny roast. And and if yeah. if Kill Tony has taught me anything, it's that you're never you're never out if the if you bomb in your minute. That's true. Which you know, I I've even I I've already decided in my head when I go to Kill Tony, I'll just fucking throw my name in the bucket, even though I've never done stand up comedy, and I'll write out a set on a piece of paper in case I forget what I'm saying and I'll work it out for six months before and I'll fucking bomb my minute. And then hopefully I'll be somewhat entertaining in the interview if that, if yeah. that happens and that's being generous. Cause I've, I've never had experience doing that, but I I think that would, that would be, uh, it, it would be hilarious to just go on kill Tony and see, see what happens. Cause it's so unpredictable. Yeah. And then to make a video, so to make a video about it after and be like, I'm going to break down my own fucking, like, yeah. let me just roast myself on kill Tony. That would, that would be funny. I've thought it was perfect for me to try to get on kill Tony too, because one, yeah, like you said, all the great parts of being on kill Tony. And then I also have a video on their podcast uh, of me on there. That's like a 10 minute video that i can use for that it could almost be its own news like a second story on the news i went on kill tony people would be pretty interested in that i also think it's funny for the people that watch the news to <laughs> just get randomly pulled out of a bucket because no one really knows who yeah. i am or my name but then they'd be like what the fuck this is hilarious yeah but then it's also just like a way a cheat code for me oh you're not responding in dms or it's hard to reach out to interview tony hinchcliffe all right if i get on the show and he pulls my name out of the bucket now i will I'll be talking to him on mic and that's going to be 10 minutes that, you know, maybe I could get some questions in there too. Like I could almost use that as like a way for us to be on the same podcast, which I've thought about, which would be just be a hilarious way to engineer a conversation yeah. with Tony for my channel. Yeah, that, that would be amazing. So we have a few minutes left. I thought a cool way to end off going off of Kill Tony would be to present to you some of the chat gpt things that i typed in experimentally because you have the video of chat gpt mm -hmm. on joke world which everyone should go check out and i decided to enter in some premises with william montgomery and chris rock <laughs> since he just put out the special just to see how those differ and then i basically wrote some stuff about my life and said write me a one minute kill tony set just to see what would happen. <laughs> so I'll, I'll read okay. it to you and then get your reaction. So the first one is, I wrote to ChatGPT, please write me a joke in the voice of comedian William Montgomery about the Capitol riots. And ChatGPT <laughs> said, sure, here's a joke in the voice of stand-up comedian William Montgomery. Did you guys hear about the Capitol riots? It was like a group of dads trying to storm the PTA meeting. I mean, I get it. We all want our voices heard, but maybe smashing windows and stealing podiums isn't the way to do it. And what's up with those guys wearing Viking horns? Are they trying to show off their masculinity or just their love for how to train your dragon? But hey, <laughs> but hey, at least the riders got some good exercise, right? I mean, if you're going to overthrow the government, you got to have some cardio stamina. I just hope they had some Gatorade and protein bars on hand for the post-riot recovery. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> dude there was times where it's like because you're just imagining in william's voice and there's yeah. times where it's like that's exactly <laughs> and also what's the deal with <laughs> yeah yeah there, there, there needs to be i need to get a, a like a voice uh impersonator and then plug it in yeah. for chat gpt screaming yeah. did you see when uh yonder wizard was doing the william montgomery impression that that, um, that was fucking that was so funny on point. 
I like, listened you, you to it. You should have him read the. <laughs> I listened to it the first time, and then I watched it after, and I was like, "This is so fucking good. This is this is amazing." That was hilarious. He should read that script for you. That would be. Yeah, he should. He should. Um, so I, the next one I said is, "Please write me a voice, or please write me a joke about the Capitol riots in the voice of Chris Rock." So same premise, different comedian. Those Capitol riots were crazier than a rat in a KFC. I mean, how do you storm the Capitol and not even bring a potluck dish? At least the Vikings brought some mead to the party. And what's up with the Confederate flag? You lost the war. Move on. <laughs> but seriously, <laughs> but seriously, those rioters need to get their priorities straight. You can't just storm the Capitol without a plan. It's like trying to rob a bank with a toothbrush. You got to have a strategy. And let's be real. If those rioters really wanted to make a difference, they should have stormed the White House and demanded more stimulus checks. That's a revolution I can get behind. Holy shit. <laughs> pretty Dude, pretty fucking good. Pretty fucking good. It, and like you can tell the difference in the voice for sure. I, you could definitely even tell the perspective on the Capitol riot coming from a white versus black comedian on that exact like Chad GPT is that was I wouldn't say it's Chris Rock's level of humor, but it was it was his cadence. It's creepier than I want it to be. Yeah, like, that was pretty good. So so this one I said, so uh, write me a joke in the voice of comedian Chris Rock, but pretending to be stand up comedian William Montgomery about the Capitol riots. <laughs> And it sure is it sure. Here's a joke about blah blah blah. Uh, so here's uh, Chris Rock pretending to be William Montgomery. You hear about those Capitol riots? It was crazier than a snake in a sock drawer. I mean, they were storming the Capitol like it was Black Friday at Walmart. But seriously, who needs a coup when you can just wait for the next election and peacefully vote out the clowns? And let's be real: if those rioters really wanted to make a change, they should have stormed a gym and forced everyone to do some cardio. So ChatGPT loves cardio. <laughs> they love cardio. They love they making love, fun of fat people. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah. They, they love saying, I mean, seriously. Yes. Uh, so th this is the last one. I said, I'm a former college baseball player who thinks he's way funnier than he is. I am now a podcaster who may or may not make it big time. And the existential dread eats at me slowly each day, wondering if I'll have the nine to five the rest of my life. Chad GPT, please write me a one-minute set for the stand-up comedy show Kill Tony that I can say on stage in Austin, Texas when I visit later this year. Please make it very funny as I do not want to get roasted by the host Tony Hinchcliffe <laughs> because that would really hurt my feelings. <laughs> and Chad GPT says, sure, here's a one-minute set for you. Hey, guys, great to be here in Austin, Texas. I used to be a college baseball player, but now I'm a podcaster. So basically, I went from swinging for the fences to just talking to myself in my room. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm still trying to make it big time, but the existential dread eats at me slowly each day, you know, wondering if I'll have a nine to five for the rest of my life. It's like, what's the point of all those ground balls and pop flies if you end up just playing catch with your boss? <laughs> but hey, <laughs> but hey, at least I have comedy to fall back on. I mean, I may not be a home run hitter, but I can still strike out with the best of them. And let's be real. Another let's be real. <laughs> if this whole podcasting thing doesn't work out, 
I'll just start a motivational speaking gig for aspiring athletes who never made it to the pros. I'll call it From Dugout to Desk Job, How to Cope with Being a Has-Been. Thanks, guys. (laughs) 